Once again, it's time for Wes and Steve to welcome you to a brand new episode of View the Right Thing. And they welcome you with fear, terror, and mayhem. This week, Wes and Steve discuss how a young woman's ambition to break through in Hollywood takes a sinister turn in Starry Eyes. Then, the boys review another tale of a young woman's ambition taking an unexpected turn in Suspiria. Soon you will find that things aren't what they seem in this week's episode of View the Right Thing. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of View the Right Thing. Yes, hello and happy almost Halloween. (laughs) So, um, it's October, you're right. It's almost Halloween and uh, we've been watching spooky movies. Oh yeah. Podcast, and that's pretty exciting. Scary movies. So for those of you who are joining us for the first time, maybe you've never listened to the podcast before. So our podcast is kind of like a book club, but for movies. So at the end of every single episode, we draw two movies out of the fabled Muppet bucket. Only two? Just two. So that way you know what the next two movies are going to be that we're going to discuss. So you have two weeks to watch those movies. It's a good long time to watch just two movies. Yep. And, uh, and then you can join us on the next podcast, and you won't be spoiled by anything. You'll know exactly what we're talking about when we break down scene by scene. Yeah, that's right. You can join us right here on the next episode of Indiana Jaws. Because you haven't even said the name yet. I did. I said view the right thing at the very beginning. Mm, I don't think you did. Dwayne, cue the playback. <laughs> Dwayne, ignore the playback. All right. So Ignore it. I'll be really happy if he does playback on that. That'd be pretty cool. Um, but right now, we're here to talk about two movies that we have watched and that hopefully you, the listener, have already watched. Yes. Otherwise, we're going to spoil these movies for you. So um, hopefully you've watched, you've watched Starry Eyes and Suspiria. Starry Eyes from like 2014 and Suspiria from 70... <laughs> well, you're not the movie. You can say how old it is. No, I mean, I don't remember. Oh. I thought you were trying to hide its age. No, no, no. I'm going to say it's from uh, 1812. Probably close. You're Dario, really close. Dario Gento's Argento's <clears throat> Suspiria from the year 1812. So that's the directress behind the curtain. Yeah? <laughs> um, that's a good quote. Um, so have you, uh, have you seen any movies this week? Any in the theater? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Let's see. I've seen The Martian recently. Straight out of Compton recently. Yeah, you finally saw Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to see the final girls yet, and I really want to see yeah. that. Somebody was telling me, yeah. Daniel Daniel Weiss, our friend Daniel Weiss. It sounds like something he, see. he would do. I um, I haven't seen a movie in the theater in a while. I well, need to get out. I don't have a movie buddy. What was the last one? Um, it might have been Maze Runner. Maze Runner 2. Yeah, Squirt Trials. Scorch Trials. Which we already discussed last. So that means I haven't seen a movie in like three weeks. So. It's almost time to see another movie, for sure. It's definitely time to see another movie. I Let's go. Let's feel go to... like we saw something really recently. You oh, you? No, not you and I. You know what else opened this weekend that I want to see, but that apparently has not done very well at all? What? Pan. 
No, yeah, that opened like a week ago. Did it? Yeah. Holy shnikes. Warner Brothers is taking a 120 to $150 million loss on that. Oh my gosh. They declared it already. It is, um... They declared it after opening weekend. It's strange. It doesn't look good. There's been, you know, Disney's Peter Pan. Uh-huh. Hook. Yeah. Which also is not exactly considered to be a great Spielberg film. Yeah. I think people enjoy the movie and they like it, but it's not considered to be a great film. Right. Um, and then there was a, a pan theatrical release not too long ago with Jason Isaacs. I feel like it was I like that one a lot. I own that one. 2007? That one's the one that feels the closest to the book to me. Yeah. So. And then there was a sci-fi Peter Pan miniseries yep. just a few years ago. And now there's already yet another Peter Pan movie. Right. Why? I don't know. I love Peter Pan. I'll watch anything about Peter Pan. But it seems like for all these different studios to be... Rolling the dice on a Peter Pan thing, just, it's a little odd. A little odd. It is a little odd. Well, you know there's a new Wiz coming out, too. A new The Wiz? Yeah. Referring to the, uh, what would you call that, an adaptation of The Wizard of Oz? Yeah. I guess you could say. I think this has David Allen Greer as the Cowardly Lion. Nice. I think is what I read. But that's probably a TV thing, so we don't really need to worry about that too much. Oh, okay. I've watched a lot of movies at home. Over the past, you know, week week or two two weeks, I guess. That's all right. Um, but I have not gone to the theater, and I'm, I'm a little bummed about it. So when are we going to the theater, man? Soonsies. Yeah. AFI Fest will be a lot of movies. Holy shnikes. You're not, uh, you're not wrong about that. Yeah. I feel like something else just opened this weekend that I really need to get to, and I'm kind of amazed that I wasn't there opening night. I'll tell you what I want what to see that, that opened. What? My Boy Spielberg has a new film. Spielberg's new film, yeah. Bridge of Spies Bridge or something. Spies, right. I need to get on that. Apparently that opened against um, Tom Hanks' son's new documentary about... Uh, what did he make his documentary about? Now I've forgotten. I listened to him talk about the whole thing on a podcast the other day. Can't remember what his documentary's about. Yeah, I don't know. Something cool. Colin Hanks, huh? Colin Hanks, the man, the myth, the Emmy-nominated actor... Opened his documentary on the same weekend as his father's Bridge of Spies opened. And now I can't remember what... Oh, it's about Tower Records. Boom! I was going to say, is it about music? That's interesting. We remembered it, yeah. Um, so, Bridge of Spies, I think, is a Disney film. Really? Yeah. Um, I think it's Spielberg's first movie with Disney. Whoa. Yeah. But there was no, uh, you know, ten minute preview at Disneyland... Yeah, right? Yeah, in the Captain EO area. Wouldn't that be something? Um, yeah, I did notice on uh, Monday Night Football yeah. that that commercial ran just about every commercial break. Wait, isn't Monday Night Football on NBC? It is on ESPN. ESPN. Which is owned by ABC, which is owned by Disney. There you have it. Yep. There you have it. There you have it. That's why there's an ESPN zone at uh, Disneyland's uh, Downtown Disney. I'm sure that's probably... I'm going to cough really loud. Oh, no, he's going to cough, you guys. I'm sorry. I gave him... I gave him my sickness, and he's going to take a, a sip of tea instead, hopefully. Mm-hmm. You got cough drops there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't want to be clacking a cough drop around while I'm on the mic. You know, it is Because when I rock up on the mic, I rock the mic, right? The Viewsters, they understand. They do, because most of these Viewsters live in uh, places where fall and winter actually exist. I want to give a shout-out to a Viewster. Which one? Uh, Katie. Hi, Katie. Katie and Ryan, my friends, who I Katie. play uh, video games and whatnot with. You're so Grady. Um, Katie was telling me she's been listening to the podcast, so I just wanted to say hey. 
How's it going? I need to work in a, a song lyric for Ryan, too. Katie, you're so grady. Yeah. Ryan is never going to be crying with Katie. She's grady because she's got Ryan. Yeah, okay. All right. Now they have a theme song. Enjoy it. Okay, so maybe we should get to the movies because I'm, I'm more than any more than I just I can't explain how excited I am to talk about Suspiria. No, to to draw new movies out of the bucket. Oh, so you want to do that now instead of at the end? <clears throat> no, we'll do it at the end. But oh, okay. I, I, I want to talk about the movies so we can get to. I understand. All right. All right. Bucket. So do you want to you want to take us on a starry eyed journey? Oh, we're gonna start with starry eyes. I think so. That's a movie we watched first. All righty. It's not normal for Steve to lead the first film. That's true. Um, but he's going he's gonna to give it a shot here. All right. Boy, Starry Eyes, where does it begin? Sadly, Starry Eyes begins just about every week of every year since coming to Hollywood to pursue your dream has become a trend in America. That's where Starry Eyes begins. Sure. But really, it starts with a young girl, a young actress... By the name of Sarah Walker. Mm. Sarah's a lovely young lady. Trying to make it as an actress in Hollywood. She's clearly somewhat new in town. Yep. And she's working at a restaurant called Big Taters. Big Taters. Which is almost like uh, a more fast foody version of Hooters. Yes. It's almost like if you mixed Hooters with maybe a, uh, I don't know, maybe a Tommy's Burger or something like that. Um, I don't think I don't think that many of our listeners know what Tommy's Burger is. Well, when you come to L.A., Vusters, you can take Wes and I to lunch at a Tommy's Burger um, any day. Okay. You want to go day. to Tommy's? It, I haven't had the greatest... Uh, I eat Tommy's uh, like once a week. What? Well, I live near a really good Tommy's. Maybe so the one you live near ain't that good. So I live by Tommy's Original. Really? No, they're all called Tommy's I feel Tommy's like Original they all say that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Tommy's, for those that... Uh, are listening that don't know is a like a cheeseburger place they put chili on everything chili on your cheeseburger chili on your hamburger your hot dog you can get a bowl of chili if you want yeah. chili on your fries chili yeah so it's like but it's like they sort of they're they're Tommy's original hamburgers yeah but chili's on everything chili is the main yeah thing there so the chili weird. is the star and it's the kind of place you go when you want a gut bomb like, when you want to eat something that's just going to make you not crave food for the next, like, six hours. Or if you're incredibly drunk. Or if you're incredibly drunk. But let's get back to Starry Eyes, because Sarah, she's clocked in at Big Taters. She's working hard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, good old, uh, what's his name? Pat Healy plays Carl. her boss. Carl, Carl. Is that his name? Carl? Yeah, and what's the actress who plays Sarah? I keep forgetting Alex to Alex Esso. Alex Esso? E-S-S-O-E. That sounds incorrect. I have it on my phone in front of me. That's her name? Alex Esso? Alex Esso. Well, okay. I thought for sure it was something different. How dare you? Well, Alex Esso, as uh, Sarah Walker, works at Big Taters. She's got dreams of making it in Los Angeles as a uh, as an actress, a young ingenue, I guess you would say. Um, we Very early in the film, we meet some friends of hers when she goes to a party. Among them is the scorchingly hot Aaron... Uh, played by, uh, I have her name written down somewhere. Scorchingly hot, huh? Oh, yeah. You didn't think Aaron was scorchingly hot? No. I love that girl. I saw, I recognized her when I watched the movie. I recognized her from some commercial I'd seen her in a lot. And I was just like, well, there's that girl from the commercial. And she's wonderful. But in this movie, she plays kind of a jerk. I actually kind of thought, um, the Sarah character was, was a prettier girl. 
Sarah's beautiful too. Yeah. They're both beautiful in very different ways. Scorchingly hot though. I'm saying it. All right. Fair enough. I'm saying it. You don't have to agree. No, I don't. I I understand. I'll accept fan mail from uh, actress. uh, I have it written down here somewhere. The only scorchingly hot girl I know is my wife. Hi. Oh, well played. Well played, sir. Wes is married. I'm not. Ladies, tweet at tweet at Stephen Noho Wood if you're looking for a good time. No, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not for- some sort of gigolo. I'm not even a Michelob. Okay, Michelob, send us beer. Um, <laughs> so, so we meet some of her friends. Erin, uh, you know, she's quite the one-upsman. She kind of is like, oh, yeah, Katie, did you get that commercial? Oh, sorry, because I actually did get it. Mm, you you would have hated it anyway if you'd gotten it, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't call her one-upsman. I would call her a stone-cold bitch. Whoa, I don't like using the B word when I talk about ladies. I'm just, like, you know, trying to... Uh, you're 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 going for the jugular. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to, like, sort of, like, cut right to the chase. Yeah. This girl is nasty. I don't like her. See, I don't know if she's nasty though, because she doesn't really, she doesn't really she's, play mean. She, no, she's a mean girl. But she's like, she's a mean girl, but she doesn't really get mean. No, no, no. She plays a mean girl. Yeah, you but but I mean? she's not like, ew, Sarah, what are you doing here? She's like, oh, good to see you, and then like, Which is worse. That's backhanded way worse. jab, right? That's way worse. Kind of, but at at least she knows she should be nice to keep up appearances. She's not a total monster, and I'll and I'll address that again closer to the end of the right when we get to this, but. Like, you know, she's she's going through the same insecurities Sarah's going through, but what she's failing to realize is that they'd be stronger if they worked together. Sure. I feel like I'm hearing my cheeks slapping against my teeth in these new headphones right now. I think you're okay. Okay. Oh, boy, where are we? All right, so at the party, Alex, uh, no, Sarah gets a call. She's got an audition, and all the girls and everybody is like, oh, great, that's great. And Aaron, like, boops sarah on the head and right then sarah wakes up and she's in the audition and it's not cool and she starts to bleed from her scalp in the audition and everything's going terrible and oh my gosh thank god it's only a dream you know the uh the guys bad dream auditioning her in the bad dream are the director and producer of of starry eyes that's pretty cool what are their names we should give them a shout out uh you look that up and I'm going to mention this. So earlier in the movie, when Sarah's at work at Big Taters, her boss is giving her a hard time because she's focusing on answering phone calls and sneaking her phone around and trying to make auditions happen rather than doing her job at Big Taters. So after he gives her a hard time, she yanks some of her own hair out of her scalp yeah. to help her feel normal. And it's kind of intense. It's very intense. And the sound that yeah makes when she pulls her hair out is such a gnarly like crunching sound yeah so that's interesting you you brought up her her work at big taters and she got the she gets a phone call yeah and uh and her boss is like you can't be on the phone blah 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 um and uh one of my favorite parts of the movie is um you know the big taters outfits are, yeah are like White t-shirts and like spandex pants yeah they're like that they're look like, like bubbly beer yeah yeah I thought they were supposed to be like potato eyes. Oh, to me it looked like bubbly beer. Yeah. Oh, maybe it might be, might be. Suds. Well, I'll, I let's know. watch it again. Suds or spuds, either way. So, um, suds maybe, or spuds. So she she Came walks away, that. and he's like, "Where does she even hide the phone?" Right. That was a, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. because it's true. Like, where would? Well, they show later on. Yeah, she keeps it on her front bum. Yeah. Which is that can't be a good place to keep your smell phone. Anyway, so. 
fortunately, Sarah had the audition with the bleeding scalp, but that was all just a nightmare. Now it's time for the real audition mm-hmm. at Astraeus Pictures. Astraeus. I have a feeling that means something having to do with stars. It does. It's uh, it's Greek mythology, actually. Oh, yeah. who was Astraeus? Um, well, okay. Now you're gonna I, I, see. I don't want to like say something that's not quite right. So now you I understand. Yeah. Well, you do that, and I'll talk about. She goes into Astraeus, Astraeus, and on her way in, some poor girl is running out, crying her eyes out, and it's like, oh boy, this might not be the most fun audition. For Sarah, who likes to yank her own hair out of her head when she doesn't feel right. Inside the audition room, waiting for her, is uh, a wonderful actress by the name of Maria Olsen, who was once on my old radio show, and is great. And she does a lot of really cool stuff. So check out Maria Olsen. And she's also working with a guy in this scene named Mark Center. And they play the, um, what would you call them, the casting directors, huh? And they're both very... um, cold towards sarah she talks about how you know oh do you want a headshot and they're like what mark center is is, he just plays like probably the most lovable snarky Mm -hmm. like i don't want to say jerk but almost dismissive dismissive absolutely and and he's just like sarah almost he's almost got a little bit of a lauren michaels thing going on he's just like what you're about to do is what we need to see. A picture isn't going to change that. And he's just like, he dismisses her in such a way that it's it's like, ooh, that was mean. But then it's like, if you think about it, it's like, no, he just really cut right to the quick of the situation. Right. You uh, have information there. I do. Astraeus is the, uh, was the titan god of the stars and planets. Holy moly. Which makes sense. Their, their symbol, their logo was a star, like a shooting star. Kind of looks a lot like a pentagram, if you ask well, Steve. Well, there's, there's a little bit of that going on in there, too. Astraeus Pictures. Well, guess what? What? Sarah does the audition. It doesn't go all that great. She runs right into the bathroom at the casting office. She starts freaking out, screaming and crying, and she starts yanking out her own hair. Oh, yeah, she freaks out. Yeah, and she's having a really hard time, and when she comes out of the stall, Maria... Olsen, actress Maria Olsen, is right there in her face. And she's like, if you can do that for your audition, you know. She's like, you've got my attention now. You've got my attention now, yeah. So Sarah goes back into the room. I want to talk about the, the hair pulling real quick. Because it was this scene that really that really struck me that um, she spends her time, maybe you can address this as an actor, she seems to spend her time like building this sort of persona and this um building herself up and creating an image. Yeah. And then she when it it doesn't go right and she gets too emotional, she begins tearing apart that image, like literally tearing apart that image. Yeah. Um and that image that is her. Yeah, and there's a, there's a, an interesting moment after the first time she tear some of her hair out and they go to the, she goes to that party yeah and um one of her friends is like did you do something to your, different to your hair and, st- and tries to touch her hair and she's like you know right you know, no and it's because she's yanked some of her hair out and it looks uh, different now but um i mean is that like a? I mean can you can you address that as an actor like sort of this like pressure to like build something and then do you ever like self-sabotage like that is that like uh um you think that's just a character specific thing I mean, I'm sure it happens a lot, 
I self-sabotage in other ways. Yeah. But I mean, see, part of my persona is, you know, the the very laid back guy that I am. And, uh, you know, recently I was turned down to play a very creepy guy in a horror movie mm-hmm. because the casting directors know me too well and they know that I'm very funny and I don't give them the creeps in our personal life. You're too friendly. So it's, yeah, so it's almost like... Steve couldn't possibly be a creep. But meanwhile, I'm a gigantic man, and I can, you know, I've got this big shaggy beard, and I can, at first glance, look like as creepy a guy as you would never hope to meet. You do put off a very, like, lovable teddy bear type. That's true, I do, in my real life. So these casting directors who know me very, very well, um, you know, they were just like, you're just, like, too funny for this part. And I was like, come on, you know... That I'm not too funny for like, anything. Are you like I'm an actor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we won't go into that. Because they're Vusters. They Are they? I don't know. They're I like to assume they are. But um, they're swell guys. They actually just wrapped the other day. Lots of fun. I'm looking forward to watching this movie. At the premiere. Mm-hmm. So, Sarah goes back into the audition room. She proceeds to have basically a non-verbal freak out in front of these two casting directors. And, uh, like writhing on the floor. Yeah. Writhing on the floor, yanking on her hair, just kind of screaming and crying and screaming and just really letting it all out. Uh, I don't think she says a word. She really just freaks out for them and they tell her like, uh, you know, that was great. They'll they'll get, they'll be in touch. They'll be in touch. She takes off. And I think at that point, does she notice that, uh, Maria Olsen's character is indeed wearing the Astraeus pentagram pentagram? Star. It's funny because it's like a pentagram like you would expect to see on like Satanists, but then it's got kind of a line coming off of it that almost suggests maybe like the star is in zooming mode. Right, like a shooting star. Like a shooting star, something like that. Yep. You shoot movies. Mm-hmm. Shooting stars. So, uh, what happens? She goes back to work. You know, no big deal. Can we talk about the, the boy that she meets? Uh, the director guy? Yeah. Danny? Uh, yeah, I want to say Danny. I feel like his name's Danny. Um, he's been in a lot of fun movies. He was in Brick. He's in pretty much everything Ryan Johnson directs. Right. And, um, he was in, uh, Looper. He had a really funny part in Looper. Uh, so yes. So Danny is, uh, he's a aspiring director. A nice boy, an aspiring director. He does offer Sarah drugs at one point. When she asks, do you have any champagne? He instead goes and gets pills well that's that's a little bit later of some point that's right after right. her callback right that is after the callback uh who because what happens she goes to the callback yep and this time they're like take them take them clothes off they bring her into a completely dark room yeah and they tell her to stand in this one little spot of light and disrobe and she can't really see who's behind the light cannot see who's in the room with her that, she, that's yeah. based on a story that the writer heard. Oh, really? Yeah, about um, an audition for David Lynch. Whoa. Yeah. That? Hmm. I mean, it was a very Lynchian scene, I'll give you that much. Yeah, well, the whole movie's got a very, like, David Lynch, David Cronenberg kind of thing going on. Lots of, yeah. like, body image stuff and sort of uh, mutation. Ooh. There's some fly, the fly, you know, you know, they, you know, they did that remake of the fly. Yeah. And, uh, there's some of that. Did those of, two work know. together on that? I'm no, 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 but that's, I mean, Cronenberg, right? Oh, okay. So I believe so. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. 
Cronenberg did Videodrome too, right? Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> Videodrome. Watch at your own risk. Uh, so, Sarah, um, she gets the call back. She's in this room. It's dark. They just keep flashing this light at her. Um, mm-hmm. She's again having this time almost sort of an orgasmic freak out. She's like, you know, she's not screaming in like anguish. She's sort of more like just letting something wash over her. And possibly like kind of like rubbing her body all over. Like yeah. It, it's, it's it's implied. You don't see anything. You don't no. see at this point. You see her film. face. You see her face. And a whole lot of darkness. And stuff. Yeah. And then it's at times you see her face flash and it, she's got like fangs and she's kind of gnarly or looking. fingernails. Yeah. And, and she, but it's, it's sort of an ecstasy kind of thing. Yeah. It's almost like she's being seduced by some sort of evil force in the room. Yeah. Speaking of non-evil forces in the room. We got Creeper in here. Should we give a shout out to Dez? What's up, Dez? How you doing? She's uh she's trying to sneak out the front door. That's all right. You do your thing. All right, get get those shoes on. Yeah, so shoes are important. Hey, what did you outside. what did you think of uh, Starry Eyes? Uh, I liked it. You liked it? Yeah. Yeah. She just said ten stars. Ten, ten stars star. from, from out of points. Out of ten. <laughs> points. Out of ten. <laughs> all right. All right. Sounds great. I'll be right back. All right. See you later. Okay. Um. So yeah, so so there's that sort of kind of sexy. Yeah, uh, it's almost like she's being seduced by something within herself. Yeah, Did I already say that. Yeah, Maybe. well, and I think that's that's again. We'll, well, I'll kind of address the monster in the room at the end of this thing. Desi's making some noise. Sorry. Oh, you saw a monster in the room? No, no, no. I'm saying there, the monster in the room is something that I think needs to be addressed at the like the elephant in the room, but instead of the elephant, oh, okay. the term monster. Well, it's funny instead. you say that because I've seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. I watched it alone many months ago. And when this scene came around again, I thought for sure somewhere in that scene was a shot of some sort of monster in the room with her. Oh, and then it didn't happen. Yeah, and I was like, maybe I just glanced away and missed it completely. Well, there is a monster in the room, but again, we'll talk about that at the end. Okay. Um. So she does an amazing job, and they're just like, "That was great. We'll be in touch." Something like that. Yeah. She goes away. I think she quits her job at Big Taters at that point, because you know she gets busted with her phone again. Her boss. Is like, yeah, you know, this is Big Taters. He's like, I know it's kind of a ridiculous place, but it's what pays my rent. It's what pays these girls' rent, and you're not being a good team player right now. That was a really nice, like, real kind of moment for that character, too, because normally that that character, especially a character played by Pat Healy, tends to be um, uh, somebody who doesn't recognize the absurdity in the situation, necessarily. So... um, so for him to say, I get that it's kind of ridiculous, yeah. I thought was like a really nice moment. Agreed. And I also thought it was cool that they didn't make him out to be just a complete sleazeball. Mm-hmm. You know, because let me tell you, the restaurant industry is rife with complete sleazeballs. Right, right. And I thought it was cool that they were like, no, here's a guy who came up with a corny gimmick and it's kind of a sleazy gimmick, but he himself is, you know, trying to make the best of this situation. And, and he sort of tries to inspire her a little bit. You know, he sort of says... You know, I know you've got something in you. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Acting's not for everybody, but you're good at this job. And I know that you've got something in you that, you know, is worth while. Yeah. But you're not really, um, you're not really committing. Yeah. Here. And, 
and she's like, you know what, you're right, I do have something special in me, and I'm not committing to my acting. Yeah, and, and she, she quits you know, her job at Big Taters, heaven yeah. help us. She gets another callback. She's asked oh, to can, meet, yeah? Well, there's the, um, there's a pool party. She gets, she, she quits her job and then goes to the pool party, right? And, um... The girls, the two mean girls, yeah, kind of like poke fun at her, and one right, of the girls, and they poke fun at Estrella's pictures too. Yeah, they're like Estrella's. Don't they just make stupid horror movies? Yeah, and her director buddy's like, no, they're they're legit though. They've been in business a while. They're they're on the upswing. And then what happens to one of those girls that was making fun of Sarah and Estrella's pictures? Does she? Do we see how she hurts herself? No, we just hear her scream. Well, we see them jumping up and down near the pool yeah. to get pictures of like midair fun girls at a party. Jumps. Not even jumping very high, right? Just kind of bouncing on their on the balls of their feet, and then all of a sudden we see her scream, and she is bleeding from her nose. There's and blood face. all over the ground and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and and Sarah laughs. And she of does. Her best friend. Uh, her best friend and roommate. Yeah, what's her name? Uh, I want to say Richard. No, it's not Richard. Not She's Richard. a girl. Uh, Mary, Marlene. I, I have a Mar in there. I don't remember it. So her roommate uh, is kind of, um, I don't want to use the word repulsed, but kind of upset and shocked that yeah. Sarah laughs at them. But she does give her this kind of like, what the? Yeah, you know, she's like, like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Why would you laugh at that? That's our friend down there. Yeah. Because that's the thing. All these other people are friends. Sarah is a bit of an outsider. Despite yep. the fact that she's really cute. Oh, boy. So, so then, then what she, happens? Then she yeah. gets the call. She gets the call back. Yeah. Well, the call to come meet the producer. And she gets dolled up. <clears throat> oh, yeah. This, she looks like a million bucks. For this meeting. And she comes out, and her friends are all sitting there. And, of course, uh, the mean girl is like, don't you think you're wearing too much? Don't you think it's a little much? And her other friends are like, no, you look great. And she's like, eh, it's a little much. Yeah, because the mean girl, she's got to get that. She's got to throw that nag in there. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, what the, that's what they call it, the pickup artists. It's like, oh, yeah, compliment them and then throw in a negative thing to throw them off their game. Yeah. And then you control it. That's sort of sick stuff. Yeah. Sarah goes to... The whatchamacallit. She goes to this uh, nice, pretty nice house somewhere in No, no, no. LA. She goes to Estrella's offices the first time. No, to meet with the producer? Yeah, it's in his office. Because she goes back there um, and bangs on the door and stuff. And then she gets a call to go to the house. Oh. Later. So, and he talks about how all of these people, we've made a lot of a lot of stars in this office. Right. That's what he says. Talks about how he's a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. This will launch her career. Astraeus Pictures. Let me put my hand up your dress. And boy, does he. Well, it's interesting because he starts out very, like, we see a lot of potential in you, and I think this is the big deal, and we want to offer you the part. I mean, he flat out says that yeah. from across the desk. Right. And then he moves around yep. to the front, and he uh, puts his hand on her leg, on her knee. Yeah. She's a little uncomfortable. And then as he starts talking more and more about what she needs to do, you know, she's like, I'll do anything right. for this for this role. And oh, he just Sarah. moves his hand right up that skirt. 
it's implied he touches something because she gets up pretty quick. She does, and I wish she'd gotten up even sooner. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, now she's had a very unfortunate situation come out of this here meeting. So she leaves. She bolts. She bolts. And She's the producer out the door. looks at uh, Maria Olsen's character and just is like, what the, you know, I thought we had something here. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's bummed. And Sarah is heartbroken because her, heartbroken, 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 That's because her dream is now shattered. And she runs home and cries and tells her roommate, Tracy, 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 uh, what happened? Yeah. And Tracy's like, wait, did he want to, ew, gross. Oh, no. And she's like, because we don't do that. We don't do that, right, Sarah? We don't, right? Yeah. Saying, like, I trust that you didn't today, but I'm hoping you won't tomorrow. Right. And then she's like, hey, we're going to Danny's place. Yeah. Well, it's actually everybody's place, it seems like. Yeah, it seems like they all just live in one house, and Danny lives in a van outside of the yeah, house. Yeah, that's what we find out, is Danny lives in a van. So a Danny, minivan. Danny lives in a van. Meanwhile, uh, the mean girl, the girl who breaks her nose, and their other kind of, like, slacker friend who kind of has a bad attitude the whole movie, he's pretty yeah. much there just to deliver one-liners, it seems like. Yeah, I do love the scene where he's um, drumming on the back of his ukulele. Yeah. And then he says, hey, does anybody know how to scat? Like, yeah. as if... Scat singing is something you have to know how to do. Okay. Don't get me started on scat singing. Okay. So, oh, boy. <laughs> so she goes there, and uh, and it's implied that Danny is with the mean girl yeah. already. Like. Also, when she's meeting with the producer, right, mm-hmm. before he puts the moves on her, yeah. he's doing a lot of talking about how, like, there are a lot of... St- there are a lot of talkers in this town. I was going to address that. I'm so glad you said that. There are a lot of talkers who talk and talk about what they're going to do. He's like, you, what is it? This world is for the doers, yeah, you're Sarah. Doer. You're a doer. So as she's at this party now, she's realizing, oh, these guys sure keep talking about a whole lot of stuff. But what are they doing? They're smoking weed and drinking every night of the week. But... She has a one-on-one conversation with Danny where Danny tells her essentially the same thing. Like, I'm tired mm-hmm. of being around all these people who are just talking and we're going to make this movie and I want you to be in it because yeah. we're going to do this thing. And I think it's important because it's important that you're in it yeah. because you're special and you have something to offer and all this stuff. And he sort of says in a slightly different way the exact same thing that the Strayus producer yeah. says. And in some ways, some of the same things that Carl says at Big Taters. Yeah. There's this sort of um, male presence in her life where there are people who are saying, you're special, um, but none of them seem to um, be able to do anything about that. Except except for one. The evil, sleazy producer of Astraeus Pictures. And this is where Danny gives her drugs, right? Yeah, he's like, yeah, because he says, I'm going to make you the lead in my movie. And now we've already heard him say he's going to make Smoking Hot Aaron the lead in his movie. And she's like, oh, really? I'm going to be the lead? I'm going to be what's-her-name's character? And he's just like, yeah, man. She's like, well, then we should have some champagne. And instead, he goes into his home van and brings out pills. And uh, he takes a pill and he pops a pill in her mouth. And then, uh, what is it, cut to them all jumping into the pool together like uh, Garden State? She doesn't jump. But then she jumps in after everybody, right? Yeah, and she's completely separate from everyone. Everyone's having a good time at one end of the pool. Yeah. And she's realizing that... 
she's missing out on something. Right. She realizes that these guys are all talkers. Right. They, you know, they keep talking about, yeah, we're, you know, why don't we all just come together and make a movie and make a great movie yeah, and come she's together. Not one of them. And all they do when they get together is party and yeah. not a, actually produce anything. She runs inside, calls Astraeus Pictures, if I'm not mistaken, yep. and they say, be at this address in an hour. Well, no, I think that's, I think she, she freaks out and she goes to Astraeus, the offices, right? Oh, she, she does? Because there's she that just homeless runs guy. straight there? There's that homeless guy there, right? Yeah. She, well, she gets, yeah, I think she goes there, she goes there, um, and she beats up that homeless guy. She, she smacks the, him around. Yeah, she bangs on the door, and then she goes back home and, and makes the phone call. And, oh, yeah. And then she almost immediately gets a phone call back saying, be at this at this house in yeah. one hour, and she gets tarted up. She gets dolled up again, only this time before she wore red. Now she wears all black. And this is this is not dolled. This is like this is street like, walkered up. Yeah, this is like, uh, you know, I'm going to a hotel to meet a man who's right. going to pay me for sexual favors. Yep dolled up so she goes she takes the train there oddly enough yeah they did not have a permit for that oh really it's a fun fact yeah they, no uh, permit for that train shot no permit for the train I, I wondered about that throughout many shots of the movie they did a bunch of shooting on like hollywood boulevard and um it just felt uh like there was a girl walking around hollywood boulevard and they just had a camera they were following her oh but uh <laughs> yeah so scary so she goes out to the house yeah she goes out now to house. the producer's house and uh basically long story short uh she starts get, she, she gets on her knees she hits the knees and he comes out from around his desk and stands up right in front of her and we see that he's got the pentagram symbol burned onto the back of his right hand when he grabs her head and he's kind of yeah he's he grabs her head and he's looking up and, you know, sort of addressing something up above. And then these real scary, like, just uh, guys. Robed people. They're wearing, like, hoods and robes. And they have these really, like, dull black mm -hmm. masks on. Like, it looks like, um, what is it, on piano keys. Sure. Like that matte finish. Yeah, just like that super, like, flattest black you can get on their faces and they've got, you know, black makeup around their eyes. And these dudes look like they are just shadow people. And they sort of walk into the room to observe the producer, you know, yep. getting, uh, getting his advanced. Thank you from uh poor Sarah here. Yeah. Sarah wakes up the next day at home and she doesn't feel well at all. She's getting all sickly looking. Uh, her hair's all strung out. Well, and he tells her, her that nose she, is bright red. Yeah, and he tells her before she gets on her knees that she's gonna have to lose everything. She's going to change who she right. is completely. I think he says you're going to have to kill your former self. Yeah, and your and friend, reborn. lose your friends, and all this stuff. So yeah, yeah. So he tells her like you're about to transform. Like you know, here here it goes. This is the beginning of it. And uh, so she's real sickly. She looks like garbage. She's still working. She's back to work at Big Taters. And uh, at like, one point... They're like, go home. You, well, yeah, because she's literally standing in like the pickup window, just drooling... Into the taters. Into somebody's fries. <laughs> and her boss comes up, and he's just like, you gotta go home. And she's like, F you, boss. And he's and she, I think she smacks him in the face, right? She, she smacks him and like throws some stuff. Yeah. Because they, they fight over the fries. Yeah. 
Yeah, she wants to go deliver the fries, yeah, I guess. And he's just it. like, no, 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 go home. And they throw the fries. And then I think she smacks him in the face. And he's like, get the F out. He's like, you get the F out of here. Don't ever come back. I don't want to see you again. Blah, blah, blah. Then it's like she's out with her friends. And they're just kind of in some sort of strange wooded area. You know what? You were right. This is when she goes and smacks up the hobo. Is it? This is when she, because she's sick. Okay. She leaves, because they're out like in like a culvert. Yeah. Right? And yeah. they're like... And, well, she's like dumb. starting to take her top off, and one of the dudes is like, "Yeah, let's get pictures of this." And one of the girls is like, "No, stop Tracy. it, you idiot!" Yeah, Tracy Tracy's like, them. she's like, "Not that crap off." And Sarah turns on Tracy, yeah, because basically, yeah, because basically Tracy is blocking the attention from being on Sarah. Yeah, I apologize for mixing up those scenes. Well, that's okay. You know, there's a lot of going to the place and I'm, not being I'm apologizing to the viewsters. Mostly, oh, okay. I'm sorry, I betrayed you, viewsters. Well, I want you to apologize to me. I'm sorry, Steve. For making me think that you were apologizing to me. I'm sorry. You don't have to, really. Could you hand me that iced tea real quick? Because I'm going to go on a tirade. I can't can't reach that. Okay, I'll make it work. I'm going to go on a tirade here. So Sarah is just like full board, like, I'm going to be a movie star now. And I'm hideous right now, but like, things are going to change. And, you know, she gives her friends a hard time. So then... uh, And And stuff starts falling out. And yeah, apart. Her, hair her hair starts falling out on falling out. She has that, um, I think this happens a little bit later. She's vomiting daily. Yeah, she's vomiting daily. She, at one point, is just eating yogurt over the sink, just using her fingers and as a spoon. And that's not working for her. That's not working at all. Her roommate is like, yo, dog, um, I don't know what's wrong with you, but, like, are you going to pay the rent? She's like, I've covered the rent for you, like, for the last two months, and you are a mess, and, you know, you've quit your job. And well, Sa- Sarah's like, hey, you know, you guys don't understand. You're all fake. They're not my friends. You're yeah. not my friend. She she basically, this is where she begins to sort of, like, lose her friends. She's, yeah. You know, you guys, you guys are all fake and you're not real. And she's like, not real. Like, I've been taking care of you. That's real. That's real. Sarah goes into her room. She finds a bundle of money in <laughs> an envelope. An Astraeus envelope. From Astraeus Pictures. Mm-hmm. So she comes back and she throws the money in Tracy's face. She's like, here, now it's our apartment again. And then amazingly does not physically assault her after that. Yeah. But I thought she, she was going but to. But she runs back into a room and coll- collapses on the bed. Yeah. And then is that when she has the... The dream? Not all that fun vomit scene. Oh. Well, so she has the dream where she sees herself as this, like, beautiful, almost like a pinup. Like, yeah. Her hair like is full on. Great and, what do you call that? A matinee idol? Or is yeah. that only, does that only apply to guys? Well, I mean, that's, I, I get what you're saying. But yeah, she looks like a, like, a classic like, movie star. Almost, almost 40s. Yeah, just like, here is the talk of the town and she's she sarah sees, walker she sees this sarah walker standing at the end of her bed um looking at her yeah um and she's got the necklace on yeah the astraeus pentagram necklace with mm-hmm. the line coming out of it and then she wakes up oh. and she runs to the bathroom and she's got some serious issues she does she's got stuff coming out of all sorts of orifices and it's not food no, it's slimy some of it is and food. bloody and gross. Some of it is food to birds. Sure. Yeah, so she in the shower, she vomits bugs. Maggots. Want to hear another fun fact? I'm not sure if I do. Uh, Alex Esso. Yeah? Is that her name? I'm tell- I looked it up. I want to double check. I could be saying it that wrong. That just seems wrong. I feel like I've, I've looked up the names of the people in these movies a hundred times and just can't remember. All right, I'm on it right now. 
No, Alex, I'm looking it up. You Alex tell your story. Esso. Look right here. I'm, I'm looking on it up. IMDb. Look, Alex Esso. She's got Starry Eyes as her profile picture. I guess so, huh? She put the bugs in her mouth for reals. Whoa. For the vomit scene. Because uh, she chose to, you know, method act. Wow. Alex, thumbs up to you. <laughs> I, I could maybe do it, but I would want those bugs to be the cleanest bugs they could possibly find. So uh, so that happens. Um, Wash her, off them bugs. Her, she she starts pulling her fingernails off. Oh, gross. Um, yeah, I forgot about that because I refused to write it down and I didn't. I couldn't look at yeah, the screen. That's a tough one. Viewsters, if you ever want to creep me out, just mention the idea of fingernail trauma and I will leave the room. You don't even have to show anything. Just say the phrase fingernail trauma. Pull and I'll just I'm out. It's it's icky and like I definitely get that feeling when I'm watching it, but I can still watch it. There is yeah. there is a scene recently that d- dealt with a finger trauma that um I, I did have a little bit of a hard time watching. I watched that movie Annabelle, which was sort of like a prequel to The Conjuring. Oh yeah, and there's a scene where the main character is sewing and they keep showing her finger getting closer and closer and closer to the sewing machine. No. Oh man, that's an intense like that. scene. Yeah, I don't like that at all. It was man. tough to watch. <laughs> the rest of the movie's like, eh, but that was a tough scene to watch. Oh, gross. So, um, so most of, her, most of her hair is gone. Yeah. Um, and the phone rings, and she picks up the phone, and it's the producer. Right? Yeah. And he tells her, you either die, just stay being sick and die. Right. Or... Embrace the transformation. And, Embrace it, and become Sarah. Like us. Come, become like us. Join us in the sky. Um. So bury your old self in the ground. She gets her. Join us in the she sky. She's a hoodie on. She does a white hoodie, which is a strange choice. outfit choice to go sneaking bleeding, around in the dark, bleeding out of every orifice. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Um. That too. And she ends up. Uh, at at the the house where Danny lives, where all her Danny friends Aaron live, all those everybody but Tracy. Yeah, and uh, and she goes to Danny's minivan, and he's in there with Aaron, having sex. Yeah, well, they're at least cuddling for sure. I can't remember if they actually show them. Doing yeah, maybe anything. they're just having a cuddle. But it's clear they have been having sex. Right in a minivan that's got bookshelves in it. Yeah, and so. Uh, Aaron is going to go get something to drink, and uh, she gets out of the van and goes in the house, and of course, Sarah's in the house. She's already in the house, and she's found herself a knife. Yep. And and they have this sort of fight, but Aaron says, we're freaking worried about you. You're losing your mind. Yeah. And all of your friends, we're all worried about you. We want to help get you some help. And when she sees her, she's like... You need to go to the hospital right right now. Yeah, she's got the hood up, but once the lights come on, it's just like, whoa, this poor girl has devolved into some sort of ghoul. Yeah, and so there's a bit of a struggle. She goes to, like, get her and physically take her, and there's a bit of a struggle, uh, and they and they fight, they argue, and they call each other names, I believe. And Sarah. Yeah, go for it. Slashes Aaron's exquisite face yeah. with a cheese knife. Yeah, and I almost kind of slashes it so disgustingly wide open. It's interesting because you're supposed to definitely hate Aaron. Yeah, it's different than uh, the characters you hate, like in a slasher film, right? Especially because she's just expressed this concern. Yeah, for Sarah. 
Um, and but there is some sort of like almost poetic justice. I'm not, uh, I'm not suggesting anybody goes out and slashes anybody's face. No. Anything like that. But in a fictional thematic sense, there's almost this poetic justice where this girl is sort of ragging on other people's looks to keep them down so she can go out and get jobs. Yeah. And the thing that happens to her is her pretty face gets cut up really bad. I mean, she's yeah. gushing blood. It's awful. Yeah. It's really, really awful and it's gross. Bad. And I don't and, and I don't advocate violence. I'm just saying thematically for the sake of the story, yeah. there is something interesting there. Now, does she then leave Sarah or leave Aaron alive and go kill the other two and then come back to Aaron? I I feel like that's what happens. I kind of think so, yes. Because she then goes into one bedroom and the girl who had bloodied her nose by the pool is asleep. And Sarah picks up a free weight, a little dumbbell, yeah? Well, there's kind of a funny moment right before that because she's in the kitchen standing over the the bleeding and maybe unconscious body of Aaron. Yeah. And the boyfriend comes out of the, out of the room. Right. And he's like, what's up? And yeah. Because he's he, onto the bathroom because he's kind of out of it and probably high. Yeah. And he does not see the full bloodbath. He just sees somebody's in the kitchen, says, what's up? And then she goes to go in where Tracy is. Grabs, not Tracy, but the other friend. I'm sorry, not Tracy, the other friend, the broken nose friend. She proceeds to smash her face into a puddle with sticky maybe a maybe a five pound weight dumbbell or maybe yeah, 10 it didn't look very heavy no which is why it took so many swings and smashes yeah and, and it, like, it is so gross the way it like sticks to the dumbbell when she picks it up it's, yeah, it's pretty pretty graphic i wish you reminded me of that just now yeah then the boyfriend comes out of the uh bathroom and she just like trips him and stabs him in the back a bunch of times I she hits him with the dumbbell too he screams a lot maybe maybe is that it she just kind of hits him in the face and I, he falls over i think she bludgeons him with that too as well but yeah then she does like a zodiac just yeah. gets down over his back and just Turns him he into tries a to, pin cushion. He tries to crawl away, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. And then she finishes the job with Aaron. Finishes the job with Aaron and then goes out to deal with Danny. She's sitting on the little bench outside of Danny's van. Uh, what does Danny hop out to go looking for Aaron and sees that Sarah's there? Yeah. And he's just sort of like, hey, what's going on? And He sits down next to her. Yeah, and he sees her ghoulish face. And then... uh. What is it? Doesn't she just reach over and just slice his throat while he's talking or something? Uh, it's it's pretty sad and gnarly and awful. She sticks it in his chest, I believe. Oh, man. Because she leaves the knife sticking out of his chest, if I remember correctly. Oh, why? Could be wrong, but... Why? <clears throat> but she kills Danny, and she goes home. Uh, No, she doesn't go home. Doesn't she go and the people from Astraeus... Is, I thought she had to kill Tracy first. Is that no? After? That's after she's reborn. After she's a, okay. So fair enough. fair enough. Basically, there's sort of this loosely assembled uh, parade parade of people from Astraeus pictures. They're all dressed in tuxedos and yeah, fancy gowns, okay. little lamps, and they're sort of uh, yeah, they're going through the night. They have like these, they have electrical lights, and they arrange them on the ground in the pentagram shape, and you know, it's it's. Cut in with buried. scenes of, yeah, something buried in plastic. And obviously it's Sarah. She's like wrapped naked. in plastic, buried, naked under the ground. The people from Astraeus are saying some crazy witchcraft stuff and this and that. And then uh, it's dawn. Yeah. And these hands burst up through the muddy ground. 
Nasty fingernails. And so nasty fingernails. And out so rises nice. a bald, naked, covered in dirt, Sarah Walker. And there's a present on the ground. Movie star. Yes. The present's got a beautiful dress in it, a wig. She takes it home. Before putting it on, I think she's still bald. Mm-hmm. And she's in her bed. She now looks like totally pristine and clean right. and new. That's right. And Tracy comes in and she's like, Sarah, what the heck is going on? And she's like, oh, Tracy, come lie with me. Come say goodbye to me. Come. Like we used to, I think is what she said. Yeah, like lie with me like we used to. And Tracy, get, I think she sort of puts Tracy into a trance to get her into the bed. Well, she definitely like moves her over, like grabs her by the hand and yeah. pulls her down. Like gently, but like, yeah, Tracy is definitely like, Okay. Yeah, and then and then Sarah's just like, say goodbye to me, Trace. Say goodbye to me. And I'm not even sure if she gets the word out, but Sarah just plants a kiss on her, but is essentially just draining all the blood out of her through this kiss. Yeah. It's pretty gnarly. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be like she bit off her tongue or what, but Tracy's laying there screaming with all this blood coming out of her mouth, and Sarah's just kind of latched on like a lamprey or maybe a, a leech of some sort, and she's just pulling all the blood out of her and, and killing her. And then Sarah gets up and wipes her mouth, puts on the wig, puts on the dress. Starry eyes. Yeah. She's got the necklace she, and she pulls the necklace out. And she's got that pentagram necklace. Yeah. And that's that starry eyes. She becomes the, the star. She's going to be a movie star. Your name and lights. Those lights on a... Wait, your name on a poster. That poster in the lobby. A lobby with a marquee. Yeah. Whew. If you haven't seen Starry Eyes, why'd you listen to this? But if you have, you probably remember that line from the creepy producer. I kind of liked that, you know, we kind of touched on this idea that she builds up this persona and then has to tear it all down. Yeah. Um, she does that on her own early on, which is kind of what we talked about with, like, the hair pulling and stuff. But, but that willingness to do that, I think, sort of says that she's willing to do all these other things as well. Right. Um, Can you hear that? Oh, yeah. Um, So I I think that she all along was willing and ready to do all these horrific things. Oh, man. Um, And that's sort of what I was talking about when I was talking about the monster in the room. The monster is Sarah. She's always been the monster. She just had to, like, let that thing come out. Yeah. And, um, you know, in most movies like this, the monsters are super, super obvious. It's... You know, it's all of the characters that we saw, the boss, but normally he's more lecherous. And, right. And he doesn't express any um, compassion. Or the friends are just completely mean. Yeah. Um, and they don't show any compassion. But in this, they all do. And they're, they're the people that would normally be the monsters in a movie like this aren't actually the monsters. It's the, it's the main character. Um, no. Who normally would be reluctant for all this stuff to happen. But I think she's very willing she's a willing participant yeah she just kind of has to realize it about herself yeah um sarah walker so yeah so i wouldn't be surprised to learn that maybe one of the famous uh salem witches might have been named salem walker salem walker sarah walker Walker, what was it in the crucible because i know they used a lot of the real names in the crucible was there a sarah walker in the crucible viewsters tweet us at steven nohowood or at Movie Hippo, or even better, at v- VTRT, VTRT Movies. movies. View yeah. the right thing, movies. 
So let us know if there was a witch at the Salem witch trials named Salem Walker, Sarah Walker, named Sarah Walker. It's almost Halloween. This information is going to be readily available, you guys. Right. Um. So, Starry Eyes, you saw this is your second time seeing it. My first time. What, yeah. What did you think the second time? Did you like it? Um. This, yeah. Is I mean, this a movie you enjoy? I liked it the first time too, and I think I still like it the second time. And I almost considered actually uh, watching it again. Wow. Uh, before before recording, just to really uh, familiarize myself with it, and because I wanted to do more research. Sure. Because as you know, uh, I forgot to look up a bunch of names before I got here sure. today. Sure. I um I thought the movie was alright. Yeah. It wasn't my favorite of the films we've watched. Okay. Um, I'm glad I saw it. Yeah, I think it's a movie that, no matter how good it, you may or may not think it is, I think it's one of those horror movies that's atypical and it should be seen so that you're not just getting kind of the same old horror movie each time. Yeah. Cause so, so many of them follow a formula and this one was very different. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't exactly totally groundbreaking, No, but it was just a very different kind of, I mean, really there's no horror in it at all. The horror is the gore. Yeah. Until she like, Pukes yeah. up the maggots. Like, that's the first horror I thing. I mean, it's horrific. The The concept is horrific. I mean, yeah. being assaulted by a producer is right. horrific. Horrific, yes. Um, it's just the, the horror at the beginning is a little more grounded, whereas the horror at the end is, you know, vomiting maggots. And right. You're pulling your fingernails off. Right. And that's then, pretty horrific. And then, you know, turning your friend's house into a bloodbath. Sure. A, a blood... But who hasn't done a that? Blood dumbbell, a blood bell. Who hasn't turned their friend's house into a blood? Hopefully, most people have not turned the friend's house into a bloodbath. Um, so countdown? yeah, I'm, I'm glad we watched it again. What'd you say about copycats? Coffee countdown. Oh, uh, I didn't fall asleep at all during uh, during Starry Eyes. But you did during Suspiria. I fell asleep at least once during Suspiria. You're such I, a I, I dozed off pretty hardcore. Classic film uh, snob. It's not against classic films. But it's not me, it's my subconscious mind. You know, I want to stay awake and watch absolutely every frame on the screen. Sometimes my subconscious mind just goes, nah, we can check out, and I doze off. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to do it, but it happens. Alright, let's 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 just go ahead and just jump straight into Suspiria, unless you have something else you want to talk about. Uh, no, I'm good. I was just double-checking my uh, Sarah Walker Salem Witch... Uh, possible tie-in well why don't i go ahead and start talking about suspiria Suspiria. so the dario argento film um an italian film dubbed into english shot in germany um where rotterdam different different actors spoke different languages in this film that's true um they actually knew ahead of time you know they knew ahead of time that they were going to dub this movie so they just were like we don't need to worry about sound, so they just they just shot the scenes, and in the background there's like stagehands building sets and stuff. Whoa, yeah, which I imagine is probably distracting for that's, an actor. That's a fast way to do it. I hear that's how they do it in uh, in Bollywood. Yeah, they're like because India is so densely populated that they're just like we're never going to be able to eliminate. We can't call quiet on the set. Could you imagine Christian Bale on this set? You're a nice no. guy. You're a nice guy. But- <laughs> Walking around. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. All right. We are done professionally. So the movie starts the little uh, little narration about Susie Banyan, this American dancer, is coming from 
New York from JFK Airport. Right. Flying into Munich. Susie Banyan. And she shows up at the airport, and it's a stormy night. And mm. you see, as she's like walking through the airport terminal towards the automatic sliding doors, yeah. she sees people going outside. And when as soon as people go outside, it's just like wind and lightning and craziness. And so she gets to the door, and she goes outside, and it's raining outside. There's actually a really cool shot showing the mechanics of the sliding glass door, like a nice close-up of that. Yeah. It's really unique. Um, yeah, I've never seen that before or since. Yeah, uh, and she goes outside and has a hard time hailing a cab in the rain, but eventually gets one. Um, meanwhile, uh, well, I guess when she shows up at the, the dance academy that she's going to. This right. beautiful, beautiful building. Um, it was built for the movie, but it's actually based oh, really? on another... Yeah, I don't know the name of the building off the top of my head, but it's actually based on a, a, a building in Germany. Oh. Um, a historical building. And um, so the cab pulls up, and the wind is howling, and it's raining, and as she pulls up, a girl opens a door. Right. And the front door, and turns and yells something back. Yeah. That we can't really hear because it's so windy and She rainy. barely turns, though. Yeah, but it's clear she, she kind of yells something back into the house. Yeah. Um, See, when I first saw it, it looked like she came out and was yelling at the storm. Mm. I mean, she she turns kind of profile, but... Okay, if you insist. But, um... She... So this girl, this mysterious girl, runs out into the rain yeah. as, and passes Susie. Mm-hmm. Um, and Susie buzzes the call, the call box, to get in. Yes. The door's locked. The girl shuts the door behind her. And she's like, I'm Susie Banyan. I'm here from New York. I'm the new dancer, blah, blah, blah. And the girl's like, I've never heard of you. Go away. And so that she won't let her in. And so Susie has to go back to the cab and um, find a different place to stay for the night. And, and what a place. As the cab... We don't see the place that I know. Susie stays. We see a different place. We do see a different place. Where so, Judy... What's her name? Uh, Ruby? Her... Ruby D? Anyway, she's staggering through Pat. the woods. Pat. Her name was Pat? I believe so. So anyways, so as Susie and, and her cab are driving away, they're going through the forest, and there's these kind of really cool shots of, like, you see... The headlights in the distance turning and stuff. And she sees Pat, or whatever the girl's name is, running through the forest. Through all these huge trees. She's barely even running. She's kind of just stomping along. Sure. So, um, it's, you know, beautiful, beautifully shot, these trees. And, uh, And Susie goes on. Pat, however, finds... Uh, a friend of hers in town. Sorry, I need to clear my throat. Go for it. <clears throat> Pat finds a friend of hers in town who lives in some sort of, like, uh... Crazy apartment building. I want to say it could only be classified as, like, a disco optical illusion. Yeah, there's a lot of, of that going on. <clears throat> that I think, intentionally, with the exception of one sequence... The whole movie is shot almost like a surreal, weird dream. You're not kidding. Um, and the one scene, that's, the one sequence that's not like that is done that way for I think for a very specific reason. But we'll get to that in a little bit. All right. Um, so she finds her friend. Pat finds a friend 
and the friend's like, yeah, of course you can stay here. What's going on? And she's like, and this is actually interesting that you just sort of brought up this, like, disco whatever, um, and this surreal idea. She's like, it's so fantastic you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. And she means not fantastic as in good. She means fantastic as in, like, uh, bizarre. Right. So. It's literally fantasy-oriented. Fantastic. So she's like, you know, can I use your 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 bathroom? She's got to dry off all that German rainwater. Yeah, and she and the bathroom is interesting. The bathroom, um, blue. Yeah, which is important. Uh, I'll, we'll discuss that at the very end. Oh. Um, and she comes out of the bathroom and she's in the bedroom, and the door's shut. Boy, is it! And she looks out and she sees her clothes out on a clothesline. But now, what else does she see? Through the kind of through the clothes, she sees a specter of some kind, and and they do a really cool reflection shot of Pat actually in the in the reflection, where you can see her reflection as well as the clothes, and it almost looks like she's got a burial shroud Ooh. over her face, which is really cool. And she sees she keeps peering out like there's something out there. And all of a sudden, this hairy arm busts through the well, glass. Well, first the eyes open up in the darkness and the look at her. mysterious specter eyes. <laughs> and then the arm, the hairy arm busts the through the glass. The hairiest arm. And, and starts to pull her through. Right. Um, and her friend starts beating on the door. She's like, Pat, Pat, yeah, what's going on? And so she runs out to go get help. <coughs> starts beating on other people's doors. Screaming, there's a murderer! Yeah. There's a murderer! She ends up like... They're on the, I don't know, second or third floor. They're up there. There's, I'd say third. There's three floors. And you know this because the elevator has the kookiest um, uh, floor light-up thing. It's a triangle. Oh, yeah. And different sets. So there's a bottom section, a top left, and a top right. And each section has a different number. And it lights up based on what floor you're on. So there's only three three lights on that. Oh, my God. So, um she ends up the friend ends up on the the main floor and there's this beautiful skylight this like like almost like stained glass it's not really stained glass but it yeah. it's colored glass and it's just this beautiful artistic skylight up there looks like something you'd see in math class and you see that um it cuts to above the skylight and you see that the critter has put pat on the skylight mm. has has killed her the lone hairy arm and is got a uh it's got a pretty intense hunting knife yeah that it just keeps stabbing her with randomly and it ties uh a rope around her around her arms yeah and um the glass gives way and no. pat falls through no. and the when her body reaches the end of the rope the rope slips up around her neck and tightens and just hangs her, and she's just bleeding. Uh, like, and she's she's very close to the ground at that point. Right. Um, and uh, the roommate and can see the, is also there. The roommate's or there. Well, the, the uh, friend whose apartment it is. Yeah, but the blood is like dripping down her legs, and, and it stuff. is the reddest blood. Yeah, there's a lot of like very seventies blood effect um, in the film. The the image, though, of the girl hanging is the main image that you see for most things for Suspiria. Oh, really? Yeah, so oh, that's gross. sort of the iconic imagery. And then we see that the room or friend is also dead, has been impaled by this glass and metal framing from the window that has fallen. Yep. And killed her. There's no 
witnesses, no survivors. So this hairy, this big hairy arm that was somehow floating outside of a third story window has killed two people. Mm-hmm. And that is messed up. Does Susie ever come back to the school? Susie, the next day, um, comes back to the school. And um, she's introduced to uh, Madame Blanc. Madame Blanc. Um, she's the vice directoress. Oh. And Miss Tanner, who's actually the first woman she meets, I believe, is Miss Tanner, right? Yeah. The very, like, stern militaristic instructor. Yeah. And uh, she has some conversations with the directoress. Uh, and the directress is like, you know, your room isn't ready, unfortunately. Right. But, um, we've arranged for a roommate in town for a week. Yeah, with Olga. It'll be $50 for the week, but you can just deduct it out of your, your fees for the school. Yeah. Um, because you're supposed to be able to stay here. I like it. And Olga wants that paper. Yeah, Olga wants that paper for, indeed. So she gets, um, Susie gets taken to... She sees a few people, actually, on the way to the locker room. Yeah, there's, like, a cute janitor boy who, yeah. who has to work for his tuition. Yeah, he's also a student. There's um the uh, the giant uh, teeth guy. The giant teeth guy. He's very tall. and he's, What was that guy's name? He's got those big teeth, and he never, he never says a word. And uh, it's funny, because when I saw that guy, I thought of him. Did you see uh, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters? Wes? I did see that movie. Okay. Well, maybe I shouldn't mention this until later. Uh, but okay. then again, whoever's listening has already seen the movie. Sure, yeah, go ahead and mention it. Because I'm looking up the, the guy's name. I can't remember his name either. Well, it's sort of like, um, you know, in Hansel and Gretel's Witch Hunters, they talk about how trolls have to obey witches. Mm. Like, that's a troll's lot in life. It has to obey witches. And so when I saw this guy, I was like, oh... What if they're witches and this poor guy is a troll that's just stuck doing whatever they tell him to do? Wouldn't that stink for this poor guy? Is his name Albert? I think it's Albert. He's about a thousand feet tall. No, that's not true. He's, he's a tall dude. No, Pavlo. Albert's the little boy. Albert's the little Aryan boy. His name is Pavlo. Pavlo is the tall troll-like guy. Yeah. Who seems like you've seen him in things before, but I'm sure you haven't. He just He's got like one of those big giant... Doofy faces like like Jaws from uh, yeah uh, Richard Keel yeah yeah uh, poor Pablo Pablo Pavlo. Let's hear it for Pablo Pavlo Pavlo with a V that's what I've been saying oh it sounds like you're saying Pablo Pavlo Pavlo so Pavlo um, honey so she meets Pavlo she meets the cook and yeah. this little boy who's with the cook all the time maybe her son maybe grandson maybe she's just watching him. Who knows? He's like a little blonde Aryan boy. Good question in as a, to why in he's there. Goofy little outfit. The outfit looks like it's from like the 1800s, yeah. not the 1970s. But it's um, not. It's not quite later hosen, but it's like it's just kind of like a weird little schoolboy outfit. She also sees and sort of overhears a conversation. Daniel, the blind piano player who leaves his dog out front. Oh yeah, the service dog um, shows up, uh, and he's told to head to the rehearsal room so she uh Susie gets taken to the locker room where she's and, told to borrow a pair of shoes yeah. which is weird yeah so um she goes in and there's a girl who has a pair of shoes and uh she's like you know you can borrow you can borrow these and if you want you can buy them from me yeah and she's like oh no i've got some in my 
suitcase. I just don't have my suitcase with me. And she's the girl's like very distraught. She's like, "Well, oh, I guess you can borrow them anyways." Like, uh, I really was only letting you borrow them so I could try and sell them to you. Yeah, she was really hoping to make that fifteen bucks. Yeah. Um, she meets Olga and she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna be staying with you." And then um, she also meets um, what is that girl's name? Sue Sarah. Sarah, Sarah, Susie, and Sarah, Sarah, and Sarah. Our like, second Sarah in this podcast. Yeah. So Sarah, she's like, "Don't worry, everybody's just trying to make money here." Blah blah blah. Yeah. Olga shows up and kind of gives Sarah and Susie a hard time, and she talks about Sarah and Susie. The name; those are names like, those are names of snakes. Yeah, names that start with S's are names of snakes. And doesn't she also make Sarah pay her for the rent immediately? Yeah. Well, she's like right away as soon as you what can. What a creep! Um, and so she hisses at them, yeah, like that. And then, and then uh, Sarah sticks her tongue out. Yeah, and they kind of get in each other's faces. Cause Sarah don't take no guff. Well, did you notice anything about that? <clears throat> sort of that scene. Did that seem? Does that seem weird to you? Their reactions to each other. Does that seem like normal twenty-year-old behavior to you? No, certainly not twenty-year-olds. Right. So there's an interesting story with that. Let me hear it. So, in the original draft of the script, yeah. all of the students are 12 years old. Oh. And uh, when they... They basically were told that they couldn't do that. They couldn't have a horror film with 12-year-olds. That makes sense. <clears throat> so, um, they changed the age. They upped it to the age cap to 20. And, but they didn't change the script. Oh, really? Intentionally. And if you, if you notice, or go back and watch it again, maybe you viewsters noticed this the first time around... Um, do you notice where all the door handles are, in, all the doorknobs are in the, uh... I suppose I don't. Are they very low? No, they're very, very high. They're at all at about head height, specifically so that the, the women had to reach up to open the doors as if a child would have to open the door. That's terrifying. Yeah, so they intentionally kind of kept that Ooh. childlike thing in there. It's sort yeah. of this, uh, yeah, this intentional... That's so strange. Like, all the doors had high knobs? Yeah, they all had, like, high things. Oh, man. I don't like it. <laughs> uh, that was a Philly Boy Roy impersonation, I should point out. Okay. So, um, they are told to go to class. They, you know, she's like, Tanner comes in and she's like, so-and-so, 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 go to the, the yellow room or whatever. Yeah. And so, um, Susie is one of those people that has to go to the, the rehearsal room. Right. And they're all walking down the hallway. And on the way there, Susie sees the cook mm. and the little boy. And the cook is polishing something. And she looks at the thing that she's polishing, like a crystal of some kind. And it flashes in her eyes. And she gets disoriented. And gets, like, kind of woozy. Woozy. Ooh, careful, Susie. So Susie goes on to um, the lesson. And... She's told to participate, and she's like, I don't feel so well. Maybe I get this out, and, and Miss Tanner's like, how am I going to know your skill level if you don't participate? Right. Hop to it. And so she, does, she forces her to like do this thing, and she can't really keep up with everyone, and she faints. She does some beautiful fainting, though. Yeah. It's, a very, uh. it's a very, you know, theater movement but, class style ballet, fainting. Yeah. yeah. Lots of big arm sweeps and very <clears throat> lovely, you know, 
dense staggers toward the wall and what have you. So, she, um, you know, it's kind of weird. Was that the next day? Because she does go spend an evening with Olga at Olga's apartment one night. I believe so, yeah. So this so must this be, day be two. day two. Yeah, so, that crazy black and white apartment. Because where does she wake up when, from her fainting spell? She wakes up in a dorm room. Yeah. And uh, so that means we missed the conversation. There was a, com- a quick conversation after she stayed with Olga one night where uh, the directress says, we've gotten your room ready sooner than we thought. You can move in right away. And she says, well, I think I'd rather just stay with Olga. Right. And she's like, well, you told us you were going to stay in a room, but whatever you want to do is fine. And then Miss Tanner's like, I can see you're very willful. Yeah. You just do what you want to do. So anyways, when she wakes up, she wakes up in the dorm room with uh, a doctor there uh, seeing to her. And all of her things are being moved into the dormitory. And she's like, where did you get my stuff? And they're like, well, we just figured it'd be easier for you. You got to be in bed. You know, we got to take care of you for like a week or two. Yeah. So it's just be easier just to have your stuff. Um, and she's going to be, uh, fed a bland meal, it appears. Yeah. As well as being medicated. Right. With a glass of wine. A huge glass of wine. Yeah, it's like a goblet of wine. Right. It's like a big tumbler that's also (laughs) filled almost all the way to the top of red wine to build the blood, as the doctor says. What color wine? Red. Oh, red wine. That's, that's interesting you noticed that so we've had a blue bathroom and now we have red wine yeah and we're throughout the film um you see a lot of different colors right oh yeah um the the you commented on this at one point in the film where um the lighting changed in like mid-scene yeah you, you were like well it was just blue a second ago now yeah, it's the, red yeah um oh. that's important and that's a, that's a nice observation so um Susie and Sarah, their rooms are right next to each other. Um, they're, they become besties. BFFs. BFF, Susie and Sarah. That night, as the students are getting ready, ready for dinner, uh, Susie starts, you know, combing her hair. Oh, no. The vanity. Right. What happens? Something, something falls right from the ceiling. Well, in keeping with the uh, view the right thing tradition... Yeah, with startling similarities. Startling similarities, because here comes more maggots. Yeah, so these maggots start falling from the ceiling on all the different girls. Falling through the ceiling on everybody. Now, do you know what they dropped on them? In the actual movie? Yeah. Please don't say live maggots. Live grains of rice. They they just dropped grains of rice. Oh, okay. Um, So... Students all freak out. Freaking out. They go to investigate this, and they find in the attic there's just maggots everywhere. Yeah, because for some reason there's food stored in the attic. Yeah. So they, there's it's just some spoiled food. Don't worry about that. For some reason it's in the attic. Don't worry about that either, apparently. Yeah, I, I don't have a good explanation for it. I suspect, you know, it's an older age, right? It's the 70s. That's, you know... Yeah, kind of older. Maybe but I, I suspect maybe it's like the kind of meat that like hangs, like like dried meats. That's hmm. the, but but it was because they make a point of saying it was sent to us rotten. Yeah. So um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they're told that the spood the food the spood the, the spood food spoiled in the attic, um, and then they're all told that they're going to sleep in the practice hall overnight, and they're like. What about the teachers? Yeah. Like, the teachers will be on the other side of the sheet. 
Yeah, the boys have helped to hang up all these sheets so you can sleep in the practice hall. And they see their the little um, custodian boy like gives them a little wave and a wink from above the sheets. I feel like he just kind of disappears. The kid? Yeah. Do we boy? see him after the sheet scene? Um, I think he's around, but I don't think he has an important role to play okay. or anything. Um, <clears throat> so at night, some person on the other side of the sheet there's a uh, a red glow on the other side of the sheet a pink glow okay. i would say all right it could be pink reddish a light a sure. light a lightish red well yeah uh on the other side of the sheet and, and as some silhouetted figure lays down on a bed and you hear this like rasping wheezing snoring breathing sound right yeah and sarah tells Susie's like i've heard this before that's the school director yeah. That nobody ever sees or hears from. And uh nobody's ever seen and she her. and she's not supposed to be there. She's not she's <gasps> supposed to be away. Oh. And not returning for several weeks. Ooh. So and I think Susie's kinda like So the F what? Like, yeah. Okay. Big deal. Um but I've heard the directress before. Yeah, she's so Sarah's like, you know they're lying to us. That's the that's the big deal, is they're lying to us. Why yeah. would they lie to us about this? Well, also, doesn't she explain that where she heard the directress's snoring before was when the directress was put into a room that shares a wall with Susie's, mm-hmm. and that room, or no, that shares a wall with Sarah's, and that room is now Susie's, Susie's room. room. So mm-hmm. the directress has slept in Susie's room with her awful snore. Who we can presume what that room was also Pat's. At one point. Yeah. Um, because they didn't have a room available. Pat dies. All of a sudden they have a room available. Right. So um, I gather that that room was Pat's. Mm. So um, the next day, the next yeah. morning, Daniel arrives and leaves his dog out there and goes in. Daniel the like, blind pianist. Yeah. He goes in to, to play piano and do rehearsals. Yeah. And Olga and the little boy Albert. Little boy Albert. Show up. And they stop and they stare at the dog. And the dog starts growling. Then we cut into the rehearsal room and Miss Tanner yeah. busts on in Ooh, and she... She's on fire. Forces Daniel to stop playing and she starts berating him and tells him that his dog bit Albert and is oh. a filthy mongrel and blah blah blah. And, and Daniel defends the dog of course and Miss Tanner grabs his, his jacket and his cane and throws them on the floor and is like, get out and don't come back. Yeah. Doesn't and she say, get out and don't come back? Do you hear me? And he's like, oh, very funny. Yeah. Do I hear you? Or yeah, she made, she said something about here and he's like, oh, asking me if I hear you. Of course I hear you. And then he finds his cane and jacket. Yeah, he finds them. And then he leaves. He takes off. Poor Daniel. Uh, that night. Um, when Sarah and Susie are kind of hanging out together in Susie's room, Susie's taking her medication. <clears throat> and uh, Her huge glass of wine. Yeah. Susie's talking to her um, about, oh, in your room we can hear these footsteps. Mm. We could maybe tell. Because they say that the teachers all leave at this at such and such time. Yeah. But then we hear these footsteps, so they must still be here. Where do they go? Oh, my God. So what if we counted the the number of footsteps in the direction they were going and figured out where they were going? 
And Susie, of course, Sounds is like, like trouble. all falling asleep and stuff. So, <clears throat> so Sarah starts writing this down on a piece of paper. Daniel, meanwhile, is in a bar. And this is the first time we, we get away from this like blue and red and weird colored yeah. stuff. Not only is, this, is it not really a set set, but it's lit normal with normal lighting. Oh, yeah. Um, and he has this, this beer and he leaves the bar and uh um he's got his dog with him he's got his dog and he starts proceeding through a plaza in yeah town. and the plaza is sort of surrounded by these large columned structures they actually almost look a little roman to me but um i think it's safe to say hitler built that plaza. yeah they're very very square they're very like nazi-esque kind of place where they'd have their parades and it's white yeah, everything is white, and it's just normal lighting, and it's uh, it's the real world in a way. Whoa, you know, we we've been in this surreal situation, and then all of a sudden we're in this real world. <clears throat> and as he walks through the plaza, the dog um, starts freaking out, and he's like, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" And the dog turns on him, leaps up, <gasps> no, and starts just chewing the guy's throat. No, Daniel falls down, the dog continues to pull away the skin and sinews and uh and as the uh dog is eating him some police officers show up and they're no. like hey what's going on and they start running at the dog and the dog runs away <laughs> yeah right over there i'm having a yawn attack oh right not now. a yawn attack it's like my eyes are going crazy and i'm i'm trying to stifle this yawn it's because i want to cough that's why i want to have a cough attack hey everybody out there don't catch this cough that's going around. So, Daniel's been killed in the Nazi plaza. Yeah, so the next day Susie and Sarah <clears throat> chit-chat with each other. Um, and there's there's been this police investigation into the, the disappearance and then death of Pat. Yeah. Um, and of course, as far as they can tell, the last person to see, the last living person to see Pat alive was Susie. Oh, no. And so Susie is talking to Sarah about it, and she says, I recall her saying something as I was getting out of the cab, but it was so loud and rainy, I, it was hard for me to hear. Right. But I feel like she said Iris and something about secret. Oh. Irises. So later that night, Susie and Sarah go for a swim. Yeah. And uh, Argento told them... To uh, move as like slowly and as stilly, like calmly as possible. Yeah. Because he wanted to, the water to look very tranquil and kind of glassy. Cool. Um, but uh, so they're they're swimming around, and uh, Susie tells Sarah. I mean, sorry, Sarah tells Susie. It's all these S names. Yeah. Snakes. Snakes. All right. So Sarah tells Susie that she and Pat were like best friends makes sense their rooms were probably next to each other right um but pat had started talking kind of strangely for a while mm, boy um, oh pat so the girl when the girls go back to Susie's room they start looking for um the notes that sarah had written down about the i'm good right now thank you um the notes that she had written about the footsteps and they can't seem to find them um, and then, of course, Susie 
gets super, super drowsy and falls asleep. And then all of a sudden, there's some footsteps. No. And there's a light on. <gasps> in Electrons on in Sarah's room. And so she freaks out and leaves out Susie's front door. Oh my god, no. Run, Sarah. And then she gets chased through the place. By something. By something or someone. Maybe several somethings, because she's kind of running one way and... Mm-hmm. She sees something and she has to turn and run the other way and something's there and yeah. it's all very scary. Walt agrees that it's scary. Just that little sighting of Walt. Um, so she, <coughs> whoa boy. Uh, so Sarah um, runs away. She, she encounters a locked door yeah. and then she goes down up a hallway and yeah. up some stairs and or maybe down some stairs. <laughs> um, she ends up in this room. <laughs> Uh, and she seems to be trapped in a storage trapped room. Trapped in the closet. Trapped, no, well, it's more of a storage room. Oh. And uh, she, at first she sort of like kind of gives up a little bit, and then she sees that there's a window. Yes. And so... Freedom, right? Freedom. Sweet freedom. She's going to get away from whatever it is. So she starts piling luggage from the storage room up. I yeah. Think she, she gets. She was on the floor. She, gets, she I think she sat down on the floor because she was all worried because there's someone on the other side of the door. There's like a... A latch that kind of falls over the top of the door, and this guy's yeah. there's somebody sticking a knife through and can't seem to get a the latch razor up. blade. And yeah, like a straight razor, and he can't just flip it up. Seem to move it up hard enough to move the latch, it's and that's painfully silly. difficult to watch. But um, so, anyways, so Sarah sees the window, gets up off the floor, you know, gets some gumption. She starts stacking up the uh, luggage, and she climbs up into the window and leaps into the next room. Oh my uh, gosh! Where does she fall? Into a veritable <laughs> tangle, <laughs> tangle of razor wire. Of razor wire, indeed. Um, Just a big old heap of razor wire for uh, no good reason. Um, no good reason whatsoever. A, a, a trap, maybe a pit. And there's a door. Just, I mean, the, the room's not very big. It's no. it's it's like five or six feet to the door. But yeah. she's struggling and getting caught up in the razor wire. She's and... basically on top of razor wire, but also tangled up in the razor wire that she fell through. Interestingly, There's she... There's no winning. That actress um, actually really got tangled up in that that wire. It's not razor oh, no. wire, obviously, but sure. it, it would, like, would pull and pinch her and stuff. It That's not hurt. cool. Um, so, yeah, so she, she legitimately got tangled up in that stuff. And then um, a black-gloved hand comes out of no. the dark doorway ah. and... Uh, um, slits her throat. Oh, gross! With that, with that razor blade. Why? Um. So the next morning, the Madame Blanc and T- Tanner inform Susie that um, Sarah has abruptly left. She just mm-hmm. disappeared, and sure. of course, Susie's like, "What is going on? That can't be right." So <clears throat> she goes into town to talk to a friend of Sarah's named Frank. Mandel, he's a psychologist. Is he played by Udo Kier? Udo Kier. Woo! So, um, Frank, oh, there's that freaking ice cream truck outside again. Oh, really? You're hearing it? Yeah, I'm not hearing it. A little bit. So, uh, Frank explains um, sort of what Sarah was worried about, what Sarah had been talking about, and sort of the research that they had done. And they found that the Academy was founded by this um, Greek emigrant named 
Helena Marcos. Helena Marcos. And many people believed that Helena Marcos was a supreme uh, witch, a a black witch. Oh, no. Uh, And so his, uh, Frank's colleague, Professor Millis, Mm -hmm. um, wait, where does Professor Millis fit in here? trying to remember where he was doesn't frank just have him tell Susie even more stuff about witches right. yes about that's covens right. and what have you so he tells Susie that that's right he tells her that the coven can only survive if the queen survives oh so if they were to eliminate the queen then the coven would be eliminated whoa when Susie gets back she finds that all the students have gone to like the Bolshoi or something. Like they're oh, all they're man. all at the theater. And she hears when she's alone in the hallways, overhears some footsteps that Sarah um Ooh. had identified before. Oh and yeah, because so everybody's supposed to be gone. And she remembers Sarah's idea. Oh boy. So she follows them. And she follows them down no. to direct assistant directress Blanks. Blancs. Right. Office. Secrets. Irises. Yeah. And uh, she sees that there's these irises Ooh. on the wall. It's a black and white wall, but what do the irises look like? Well, the irises are red and blue and yellow. And then I think there's a white one that's very hard to make out. Yeah. And then she she remembers more of the, the what uh, Pat had said in the rain. Turn the blue one. Ooh. So she goes over and touches the blue one, and sure enough, it turns. See, now, when I was first watching the movie mm-hmm. with you, mm-hmm. and she was talking about how she heard Pat yelling, Irises, and before I knew it was witches, I was thinking maybe she heard her yelling, Vamp Irises. Uh-huh. Because, you know, there's a lot of blood, there's this directress who's sleeping at night and I, all that. I might be a little bit at fault for that. No, that's okay. Because you and I were in the car one day, and mm-hmm. we talked about Suspiria, and you said, how many vampires, you were asking all these different questions, how yeah. many werewolves are in this movie? I said, none. And you said, how many vampires are in this film? And I said, I'm not going to say. Oh. And then you also asked about witches, and I said, I'm not going to say. Because I didn't want to just completely give it away. But, sure. Um, but I did want to rule out werewolves for you. All right. So they're not vampiruses at all. They are indeed witches. They are indeed witches. And the irises was actually a clue about painted irises on the wall. Which you see once or twice earlier in the film. But yeah. But it's not, you know. If, unless you, I think literally once. I think, yeah, you, you see the office, I think, once or twice. But mm-hmm. um, you probably don't know that those are irises Mm-mm. unless you're like a flower... A horticulturalist, you know, mm-hmm. you're into botany or something. Yeah. Um, I couldn't just, recognize an I would, iris. Yeah, I wouldn't know an iris if I saw one. So, uh, maybe this is because we're weird dudes, movie dudes. What can I say? So, she it opens a hidden passage when she Whoa. turns it. And she goes in, and... Uh, At this point, the music by Goblin is like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like... Yeah, mumbling. Well, yeah, because it's, it's got the melody going, which is really cool and spooky. But then there's just this, like, this, like, humanized voice just going. Yeah, and the, the music, the music, um, I, 
uh, you know, it's it's um, got kind of a very 70s, almost like Halloween kind of vibe to it. It's like yeah. pretty simple melody, but you hear it a lot. It's good. Um, yeah, it's, it's unsettling. Very. Very unsettling. So she goes down the hallway. She sees some curtains. She kind of hides behind the curtains. Oh. Pavlo's there. Albert's there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think the cook was there, but Tanner is there. And... Uh, Madame Blanc is there. What was that? I don't know. Benjamin. Ooh. So Madame Blanc is there. Um, and she, um, Su- Susie witnesses there. They're doing some sort of ritual and they're talking about how they have to get rid of the, um, the American girl. Kill, kill, kill. Which bothered me a lot. Yeah. Because what has Susie done to them? Sure. At all. Well... I think they know that she's meddling and that she's learning about the coven just the mm. way Pat did. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, Pat learned about it, ran away, and got killed. Yeah. They eliminated her. Um, so I think that's sort of the idea. Is they know that she's got... I mean, they know that she went into town to talk to Frank. Right. The same people that Pat talked to. And she was BFFs with Susie. And they had to eliminate... Um, yeah. I'm Sarah. Sorry, Sarah. And they had to eliminate Sarah. So I think, you know... All right. So once that happens, uh, she sees Pavlo coming out of the ritual room oh, no. to look for her and kill her. Uh, so she she sees this doorway and goes, <sighs> goes through the doorway. Um, and she finds Sarah's body nailed into a coffin. No. When I say nailed into a coffin, there are nails through Sarah's body. Like she's crucified in, to it. Into the coffin, yeah. Ooh, uh, so then Susie sneaks into another room uh. and she awakens the shadowy figure of Helena Marcos. No! Um, who I don't like at all. And she laughs and she makes this demonic sound. And she's, stuff. she's very manic and easily psychotic. Yeah. Like she just keeps saying, like, you want to kill Helena Marcos, huh? Oh, you think you're gonna be able to do that? And she's yeah. rattling on with all this manic crazy talk and there's a bird in the room do you remember the bird the bird do you remember the peacock in the room i don't think i do there's this beautiful glass peacock in the room i remember that yeah i thought you meant a living bird no okay there's a you know there's a peacock in there yeah so she what does she do with the peacock i remember it smashing to the floor oh and she grabs a piece of it she pulls so before it smashes the floor, she takes one of the feathers and yeah. pulls it straight out. And she it's like uses a, a sharp skewer. Yeah. So I want to address that. Okay. Do you know what Dario Argento's first film was called? The Peacock? The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Whoa. So clearly a reference to his first film. Pretty cool. Because she pulls out this this feather, and it's like this big long crystal that she's going to use as a weapon. No. So she goes up to where uh, Helena was, and Helena has disappeared, and the um, corpse of uh, Sarah is moving in. Yeah, it's coming in to get her. <clears throat> and uh, oh yeah, because Helen keeps saying, "I'll send you to hell with the dead, the living dead." And then Sarah comes walking in. And out of the corner of her eye, she sort of sees the outline of Helena Marcos, and she just takes a wild swing and stabs Helena Marcos Ooh. in the neck. Ooh, gross. Gross, um, Helena Marcos. Right through the throat. Um, so no. she she fades away, and she's screaming. And uh, no. um, 
It uh, also kills, you know, the animated corpse as well. Yeah, as it should. So the building catches on fire. And things start exploding. The bird, I believe the bird explodes. It does? I think so. Or maybe it just falls. But there's definitely, like, windows and stuff are blown up. Um, because there's, there's a whole thing about how they were using, like, essentially pyrotechnics to blow things up. And it, like, was really unsettling for the girl. Because they, they were all going off really close to the girl that played Susie. Oh, snap. Really? Yeah. So Did she get injured? I don't know. As far as I know. Oh, Susie. So Susie um, manages to get out of the building as it goes up in flames. This beautiful building. This beautiful, strange, weird building. Um, it goes up in flames. And that is the end of the movie. Boom. That's so it. fast. It's super abrupt. It's um, literally, she goes, she learns that there might be witches, and then yep. she f- discovers they are indeed witches, and it's done. Yep. So, Suspiria. Suspiria. Um, red rooms, blue rooms, red lights, lots of red lights, lots of blue lights. I feel like there's even um, a green room at one point. There's definitely green lights, which yeah. sort of play as interludes in between the red and the blue. Yeah. Time. Usually when it's green... There's nothing really happening other than exposition. Oh, okay. So, um, so let's talk about the lights first. All right. Um, red in this film, yeah, um, symbolizes sort of being unsettled, confused, or anxious, like full of uh, confusion. Let's, let's okay with confusion. So, um, for example, when. Um, uh, what's her name Sarah is walking through the school and she's kind of lost in the middle of the night she doesn't exactly know where to go and she knows there is something behind her yeah. behind her the lights are red um, or um, when you're in your friend's apartment and you're scared because there's something there the lights are red um, no blue represents sort of the calm before the storm the stillness. Oh. so so whenever we know something's going to happen, but the threat is not immediately present, or yeah. um, we don't know what it is yet, it's usually blue. So, oh, wow. Um, so the character typically knows something horrific is going to happen, but all they can do is wait. So it's, it's sort of about, you know, blue usually is about calm, and that's kind of why it's being used here. Yeah. But, but it's an unsettled calm because we mm-hmm. know something's about to happen. So, for example, Sarah gets into a fetal position in that blue room, or the bathroom at the beginning of the film yeah. where she's in this blue bathroom, but we know something's coming. We just Ooh. don't know what it is. And it's not until she goes in the next room and we get the red lights that we know that it's, it, the threat is imminent. So, yeah, gross. Um, so, yeah, it's a really, really kind of cool use of color in the film. Um, the blue iris, for example, is, again, you know... That's um, a good point. There's a turn happening at the end of the film. Literally a turn happening at the end of the film. Turn that blue iris... You're walking into trouble. Yeah. Uh, Elena Marcos is typically bathed in red light. I don't want to think about her. Right. But, but the first time we even see her silhouette, she's there's that kind of reddish-pinkish light that you're talking about. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. It, and the, all those colors, there's a lot of red, and there's a lot of yellow, and a lot of blue. And I, I think by very much by design, Argento had his cinematographer um, watch Disney Snow White. Oh yeah, um, and they base their color palette on that film. Whoa! And there's a you know there's a lot of references. There's sort of like this evil queen who doesn't like this young girl that's come in, and there's of course she's very fair. A witch involved. There's definitely witches involved, and there's they put her to sleep, and mm-hmm. um, so there's de- and uh, what color is the wine? Red. It's red. Mm. Um. So have an apple, my dear. <laughs> 
So yeah, so there's um you know this very specific uh, color palette being used that I I really appreciate. That's one of the reasons I love the movie so much is um, it's so uniquely visual, especially yeah. in the '70s. But even today, like not very many artists make films that are so unique. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Goblin and the music. Yes. Um, uh, Argento used to take their music and play it like full blast on set because remember they were recording things without sound. So yeah. you play it full set to just completely mess with the actors and wow. make them really, really uncomfortable and stuff. So, um, so you know, I, I, I picked up that this was not probably your favorite of, of the films that we watched. It wasn't. Uh, the coffee countdown kicked in fairly early and I was dozing off somewhat regularly. Yeah. Do you... Do you understand, even though this maybe is not your movie? Yeah. Do you understand why people say this is a must-see horror film? Hmm. Hmm. That's a really good question. Because yeah, having worked in video stores for years, sure, I was always told you have to see Suspiria. I was always asked, "Oh my God, you haven't seen Suspiria?" So many people have been singing this movie's praises sure. to me for years now. Do you understand its artistic merit? I that think. for sure. And I think, and I think that's probably why people say that, right? Because I think, you know, there's so many slasher films, right? And, you know, like you go back and you watch Rosemary's Baby. That's a slow movie. That's not a. That's not a like a modern horror film. There's a very right. big difference between horror from the '60s and '70s. I mean, every every like twenty years or so, horror sort of changes a bit, right? You falling asleep already? Are you talking to him about this? No. It's not an off over here, you guys. Dude, I'm so tired today, man. So This iced tea is not doing the job that the coffee should have done. Right. So so horror movies from the 40s and 50s are very different than the movies of the 60s and 70s, right? Sure. And, and even the 80s. 80s and 90s sort of kind of go together because that's sort of slasher era, right? Um, Absolutely. You know, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, moving into Scream and so on, right? Yeah. And in the mid mid to late 90s, there was just a whole host of really bad slasher films. Um, Valentine and uh, Urban Legend. And that's the one with David Boreanaz. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Urban Legend and so on. Um, and now, interestingly, I feel like horror is sort of starting to move back to that older genre in some respects. Um, they're definitely more graphic, which I think is more representative of the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, it, the graphics didn't look as good in the 70s and 80s. They didn't look as real. Certainly not. But they were still showing the same things. Yeah. Um, and I think that thematically um, horror is going that direction of the 60s and 70s in that they're becoming more story-centric. Oh, all right. And they're taking their time. And I think, especially when you look at a movie like um, The Conjuring, which I think is one of the better horror That's a films very scary that, movie. Yeah. Um, that movie takes its time to yeah. really, like, it paces itself really, really well. Um, and everything is about they really set an atmosphere in that film and that's yeah. what the that's what those movies do and and you know it's kind of we talked about that after we watched Suspiria it's like this movie is about atmosphere it's about feeling like there's something spooky or something unsettling or something confusing going on yeah. it's not about it's just straight terror it's about imagine yourself in a situation where you're in an endless maze of color that you right. don't understand in what is supposed to be your home yeah frankly but, but also a foreign country you know right like, there's just like all this like unknown yeah. there, and I think there's there's a, a natural, even though the movie's very surreal. There's sort of this natural terror, um, whereas 
like, yeah, the hockey mask guy is pretty scary, but, like, it doesn't feel very realistic. Right. So. At least you know with him, just stay away from Crystal Lake. Right. And he won't bother you. Right. Uh, they, you know, there's a Friday the 13th game on Kickstarter right now. I, I, oh, really? I a kick, I'm a Kickstarter supporter for that. In, like, the first day they did, or first 48 hours or something, they did, like, $380,000 or something crazy like that. Whoa. So I think their goal I think their goal is, like, 700000 or something, so... Any idea if you get to play as Jason or as a you camp counselor? A camp counselor, and they actually have. I wish I I could afford the four hundred dollar, uh, um, thing because the uh, the four hundred dollar tier, you actually get. There's a database of camp counselors over the years. Oh really? And you get to put your name and photo in the database. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, so people will be able to see you as a camp counselor from Counselor West. But the game is um, it's a it's an online cooperative game. So it's like you're a counselor. Yeah. Playing with a bunch of like if you're playing at home and I'm playing at my home. We're playing the game together to defeat Jason. Oh no! As different counselors. Wow. Um, one of the uh, stretch goals, which is like really far off, they haven't said what it is yet. Exactly okay. How much is a, a single player mode? But right now the game is just an online game. But Weird. Anyways, I'm really intrigued by that because I love the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. Um, I wish I didn't, but I do. You wish you didn't love that franchise? Well, those movies scared the heck out of me when I was a real little kid. I probably saw my first Jason movie when I was like five years old. Well, since it's Halloween, let's talk a little bit about our favorite horror films. Wow, all right. So so which which Friday the 13th is your favorite? It doesn't have to be the best uh, one, but your favorite. Four. The one where Crispin Glover dances. Crispin Glover, uh, young Corey Feldman mm-hmm. does that uh, sw- pulls that switcheroo on Jason. A little bald, bald Corey Feldman. Uh, Zaxxon reference. Um, the girl from Weird Science is in it. The twins are in it. The twins. Yeah, so the twins in that movie, um... Twins. Do you remember the twins in the little jumpsuits? No. Yeah, one gets, um, thrown off the roof onto a car. How do I not remember that? Yeah, there's... In part four? Yeah, so this... The final chapter? (laughs) Yeah, in the final chapter. Um, the... The... Girl, one of the I think one of the girls auditioned and they found out that she had a twin. Oh wow! And so they just cast them both. Wow, that's got to be fun for the other twin. Yeah, um, that's a good one. Uh, I like four a lot. Plus, also there's that guy who comes specifically to hunt Jason, and sure. like that's a pretty cool element. Like all the others are just like, oh, I hear there's this killer around here, sure. and this one has this dude who shows up like, I'm looking for Jason, man, yeah. and I got my own machete. Right. And Jason's gonna turn me into a knife. The uh, the machete death at the end is actually pretty good. Spoiler alert: uh, Corey Feldman. So again, spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. If Corey Feldman gives him a good whack with the machete. Oh, oh, sticks, that machete! And death. it sticks in his head. Yeah. And Jason falls to the ground, and it continues to cut his head open as his face right. slips down. Right. Oh, that's, that's gnarly. A, it's a pretty good one. Um, I probably saw that at about seven or eight years old. Oh, that's too young for that movie. I agree. I, yeah, but I saw the Jasons way early, and I they freaked me out. Probably ten or eleven. Yeah, probably close to eleven when I saw my first one, and that's of course my favorite, which is Friday the Thirteenth Part Six: Jason Lives. Jason Lives. They reopen Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah, and uh, is that when he's chained to the bottom of the lake? And he somehow rises, or is that when he's in a grave and Tommy somehow yeah. resurrects him with a lightning That's, he's bolt. in the grave. Oh. And I believe they, he ends up chained at the bottom of the lake. As oh, six. okay. In seven, the telekinetic girl brings him back. And then they go to New York. And then they go to New York and eight. They take Manhattan. 
And then uh, my my second favorite is Jason X, Jason in Space. I, Jason X is a wild ride. It's a fun movie, and I think it's kind of a little bit misunderstood. Um, I think people, a lot of people, don't get it. Like yeah. that it's intentionally the way it is. Yeah. Um, like the idea of just an upgrade machine. Yeah. Like you just put anything in this, and yeah. it just somehow makes it upgraded. Yeah. And that moment when there's like a hollow deck and. Uh, it's like with the, with the sleeping bag. Oh <laughs> boy! Smoke pot and have premarital sex. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's good stuff. So that's that's my favorite. Uh, my favorite Friday the Thirteenth reopens the the camp. There's a great motorhome death where he pushes the girl's face into the side of the motorhome, yep. and you see her face like indent the outside. Um, yeah, I remember that one. Some good stuff. That was Toad's Gnar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know what my favorite, favorite horror movie would be. I love me a good old-fashioned screening of just Halloween Part 1. Halloween Part 1's excellent. It's pretty great. I, I like Halloween 1 and 2 back-to-back, actually. Since yeah. Since they take place pretty much the same night. True that. I really, but I also really like what Rob Zombie did with the Halloweens. You did. I really did. Yeah, I, I, uh... I think I went to each of them twice. Um, and one thing I especially really liked about what he did with Halloween 2 mm-hmm. was how... For almost every kill, well, first, he starts the movie off as a total homage to the original Halloween sure. 2, and then throws you a total curveball, and yeah. that's great. And it, it's it's a it's almost like a much bigger film than yeah. the original Halloween 2, because it takes place a much longer time period. Absolutely, and it's great, and I'm like, I was not expecting that and, at all. And a good twist at the end. A great twist at the end. And then also, um, I, as I remember it, Basically, each time he goes to make a kill, it's almost like there's a totally different, like, directorial style being applied. And, like, the one I remember the most is that uh, when Daniel Harris's character mm-hmm. is, you know, it's just like she's alone in the house and he's in the frickin' house and he's finally going to get her because he missed her in the first movie. And they don't even show her get killed. They show her fleeing him in slow motion yeah. and then you're hearing her screaming and... I think, you know, his knife or whichever, you know, doing its job. But she's still running away and alive just in super slow motion. And it kind of just, like, drags to a halt and goes to black, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't seen it in a couple years. But I remember walking out of that movie and being like, yo, that was dope. And a lot of people are going to hate on it just because, you know, everybody loves to hate a remake. But that's a good remake. My good friends. And it's a reimagining, really. My good friends are in that, that movie. That's true. Yeah, so. I like to think of them as my... Good acquaintances. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they. Uh, yeah. Uh, so my friends, Tyler Maine. Now, who does he play? He plays Michael Myers. Whoa! He's the monster, the shape. Um, and then my my very good friend Renee Gearlings, his wife, is uh, the Bun Cop. The, the cop, Bun Cop the, or the Braid Cop? The the Bun. Well, she has Bun braids. They're oh, like, okay. They're braids that are like in little buns. I thought you had told me she was specifically listed as Braid Cop. I think it's Bun Cop. I've got IMDb open right yeah, here. It might Let's say check. On there. We'll see. I don't know if it says it in there. Um, um, I know. Who, I know. On their on their website, I was helping them name some of their. Uh, you can buy autograph photos from uh, Tyler's site. Nice. So she has a few on there, and I think I think the one we listed for that was nice buns. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Anyways, they're they're great people. Um, they did a really uh, fun kind of throwback horror film called Compound Fracture. We've mentioned it once or twice on here. Try not to push our stuff too much, but. Um, I do love them, so I wanted to say the title one more time. Amen to that. Um, oh, yeah, and Angela Trimber's in Halloween, too. Angela Trimber, who you can currently see in theaters in The Final Girls. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was in UCB Level 1 with her. Oh, fancy. 
She's great. Watch anything Angela Trimbers. Any in. other any other favorite horror films? I like Halloween one. I think it's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Call, uh, the Shining. Uh, Shining's awesome. What's funny is I've sat through Room Two Thirty Seven probably three times That's now. That's great because it? it's just such a trip. Like you know, it's funny. I I uh, did a room, just a trip. Yes, Two Thirty Seven night uh, here at the house. I was there. Everybody hated it except for a couple of us. Probably me because I had already seen it. I think at that point. Um, uh, our friends Daniel and Charlene did not like it. Um, I but did they hate it? I don't. I pretty oh. sure they really, really didn't like it. Um, and uh, Renee, I don't think liked it very much. Oh. I, I thought Alex was pretty indifferent about it. But um, I don't know. I think Room Two Thirty Seven is a lot of fun. Um, you know, but what we do is, as film fans, is you know make educated guesses about, and sometimes yeah. not educated guesses about the meaning behind. Yeah. Like that's what we're doing on this thing is we're because talking about the meaning behind lights and stuff, you know. Because that skier on the poster was clearly a minotaur, right? Clearly. Um. So I'm on IMDb for Halloween Two Remake 2009, yeah. directed by Ram Zabi. Your friend, my good acquaintance, Renee Gearlings, is neither bun cop nor braid sure. cop. Credited as Deputy Gwyn. Well, yes, Deputy Gwyn is is her character's name, but I, I believe. Uh, you know, I don't want to say the story. That's a story that Renee should say, but um, yeah. I believe Rob Zombie sort of sort of named her the bun cop for a reason. But that's again, fun. again, um, that's a story that she should tell. Now, do you think Gwyn is an homage to Fred Gwynn of uh, Herman Munster I, fame? I don't know if uh, Rob Zombie was that big of a Munster fan. But... He's Rob Zombie. Oh, okay. They're the Munsters. Sure, he made a whole song called Dragula. That was their car. All right. It's got to be. I'm going to text Rob. I'm going to ask for sure. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Um, I also really love the first Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. And I almost hate that I love it because, you know, of the director's checkered past. But uh, the end of the movie a lot. Um, But, yeah, I think it's a great monster movie. Yeah. I'll go back to The Conjuring as one of my favorites. Modern, for sure. Conjuring effed me up. Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods is brilliant. Um, Conjuring effed me up. I had a nightmare about The Conjuring like a month after. Yeah. Went home that night, I was totally fine. A month after, I had a nightmare about that hag. And I was just like, if that hag was trying to possess the girl in the movie, what's happening to me if I'm having a nightmare about it all these weeks later? Mm-hmm. It freaked me out real bad, dog. Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, that's another one. Oh, for sure. Um, that new Evil Dead series comes out. I have not watched... It's not out yet. Any, oh, oh, I, I thought you meant the... Evil Dead remake no, that just TV happened. The TV series. Yeah, I'm going to watch that. Yeah, with Bruce Campbell. Also starring Dana DiLorenzo of Impress Me. Check your local listings. Which you've been on. Uh, only two episodes. Yeah, you yeah. uh, any, any other horror films that come to mind? Man, well, I just saw Bone Tomahawk. Did we discuss Bone Tomahawk? We didn't because I was going to try and go into it completely blind. Okay. That's my goal. So I don't want to know anything about it. I didn't even watch the trailer. I started okay. to play the trailer and I was like, you know what? I don't want to know anything about it because Steve was so disturbed by it i don't want to know any little thing any detail at all i kind of regret mentioning it just now since we are talking about horror movies yeah well plus that hasn't been out so we shouldn't talk about it anyways okay well anyway keep your eyes out for bone tomahawk and use your best judgment yeah do watch the trailer use your best judgment because that movie has messed me up for a good week and a half now but zombie movies. How about like Dawn of the Dead, the original Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, I like the I like the the remake of that. All right, I still don't like yeah, Running sure. Zombies very much, but I think there's a lot of other really good yeah. stuff in that movie. Running Zombies doesn't 
doesn't make sense. Actually, yeah, they address, it does not. They address that in Diary of the Dead, I think. Oh, really? Where they're like, look, if you have a decaying corpse, if it tries to run, it's going to break its legs off. Yeah. Like, Are you caught up on Walking Dead? All right, there's only one episode so far, but so yes. Okay. Well, I won't even spoil too much of that. We're not a TV podcast. Right. But what I will say is there's been a lot of instances on Walking Dead yeah, yeah. where a decaying corpse somehow manages to outmuscle a fully grown man. Yeah, stronger and, than it should be. And that happens a lot, and that drives me absolutely nuts yeah, when yeah. that happens. Yeah. Those things should be snapping like twigs, and instead they're outmuscling fully grown, somewhat nourished men. Sure. And that's crazy. Sure. So, um, any, any other movies you want to address? Hmm. Before we, before we wrap it up and uh, pull two new movies out of the Muppet Bucket. Let's pull two movies out, man. All right, we're going to do it. Because nothing is popping to mind right now. Watch, we're going to draw two new horror films. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be something? All right, mix them up nice and good here. Let's get this. Okay, I mixed them up pretty good. All right, I'll reach in first. I'm going to close my eyes, too. Man, he's really taking his time. I feel like Sarah stuck in that uh, razor wire room. All right. What you got there? I think I have two. Do I have two? Uh, no, you got one that's folded over. Oh, okay. What you got? Something called The Cottage. A horror film. Oh, boy. It was from our horror bucket that got moved into here. That's uh, a fun film. It's written in my handwriting. I th- or is it? I think I think you helped me write them. Yeah. Yeah, that's Shall good. I hold the bucket? Sure, you can hold the bucket. Uh, I've right. got my thumb right over Miss Piggy's eye. I'm rooting for something that's not horror. Close your eyes. Oh, close my eyes. Okay. I think we're going to be okay here. It's from the horror bucket. What the heck? <laughs> Are we sure this isn't the horror bucket? All right. You haven't seen this, right? What's it called? Well, uh, before I say what it is. I have not seen that, All and right. uh, two of my homies keep telling me, why that's have great. you not watched that yet? you got to watch that. That's great. So both these movies you haven't seen, and I have. I have not seen the Katahe, How did I have that not happen? seen that movie. Are you going to announce what that I is? Am. I'm just so amazed that... We, we put a lot of horror movies not in Not that there, many, though. not compared to how many other movies. Are. We have like 100 regular movies in there. Still. We put maybe 20 horror films in there. No, way more than 20. No, I think our first list was about 10, and our second list was about 10. Pretty close. Really? And we drew four. And we wow. drew four out. So, yeah. Maybe maybe 20. All right. So, the second film. I feel like there were at least is 30. It, so, I like both these movies. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give a little blurb about both of them real quick. But uh, the second film is a film called Big Bad Wolves. Big Bad Wolves. It's an Iranian film. Oh, it is? Um, yeah. I never it, knew that. Iranian? Or Israeli. It might be Israeli. It's Israeli. I think it's Israeli. I should look that up. Before I start saying it's Iranian and Israeli, uh, and it probably makes me sound kind of racist to not know the difference. Mm. I mean, I know the difference between the two. Uh, mm. But I just don't know which one it is. Big. Mm. I can't hit my falsetto like I usually do. So, uh, Big Bad Wolves, I saw at AFI Fest um, a year or two ago, and I really love this film. Cool. I think it's... Um, the story is excellent, and it's shot really, really well. It's pretty nice. Um, I hear there's a lot of torture in it. Is there a lot of torture in this? There movie? is some torture in the film. I'm not great with torture movies. You know, you'll be all right with this. This is all right. Mm. Um, I'm looking right now, trying to figure out. Uh, in 2013, Quentin Tarantino said it was like his favorite film of the year. Nice. Um, now I have looked up the Cottage. 
So the movie is in English and Hebrew. Oh, okay. Uh, the Cottage stars uh, Andy Serkis. I'm looking at a 2012 and a 2008. Which one has Andy Serkis? I don't know. 2012 has David Arquette. Ah, here we go. 2008, Andy Serkis, Reese Shearsmith, and Jennifer Ellison. So if you haven't seen The Cottage, go out and rent it. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's sort of a combination of a horror film and a kidnapping film. Mm. And uh, it's very funny. Intentionally so. Oh, um, all right. That's good to hear. Andy Serkis is... I mean, you're so used to seeing him play, like, Gollum and King Kong and the monkey, you know, the apes from Planet of the Apes and stuff. You yeah. don't get to see him be him. You saw him in Age of Ultron for, like, two minutes. but That's true. You don't get to see Andy Serkis being Andy Serkis very often, and um, he is a lot of fun in this movie. Sweet. Made a fan out of me. I almost said sneet, but I meant to say sweet. Yeah. So The Cottage... Yeah. And Big Bad Wolves. The Cottage, 2008. And while these are horror films, these are super, super worth your time. Word. All right, that's good. So so that is it for I like the sound of that. this episode. Uh, thanks again to Dwayne Sawyer for doing our intro every episode. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, Viewsters, for listening. And don't forget to tweet us any sort of feedback at VTRTMovies. Or if you just type the at symbol and start typing view the right thing, it'll switch it it'll for you it if you're on Twitter. You can uh, always hit our Patreon account if you want as Patreon. well. Patreon.com slash... Uh, I believe it's uh, VTRT Movies. Oh, all right. And we got changed to, to that, I believe. What if I want to tweet to you directly? At Movie Hippo. And then what if you were tweeting straight back to me? I would probably tweet at Steve in NoHo Wood. Okay. I like the sound of that. And uh, keep watching movies. Watch... The Cottage, 2008, and Big Bad Wolves, and then Wes, Bon Cinema.